Statty J. His jokes barely register as lame Statty J. Buys his underwear used on eBay, Scotty J. Likes the strippers upstairs at Dante, Scotty J. Screens the calls and makes Rick go insane, Scotty J. Pillow wall keeps him from getting laid, Scotty J. Can't be funny, but he tries it anyway, Scotty J. Drinks Crown Royal every night and day, Scotty J. Answers phones for very little pay, Scotty J. Comes into work hungover every day, Scotty J. No one's quite sure what he does all day, Scotty J. Wears assless chaps and dances in the rain, Scotty J. Likes to drink his juice with Tanqueray, Scotty J. I'm not sure what goes on inside his brain, Scotty J. No matter what goes wrong, it's him we blame, Scotty J. His whole family must be filled with shame, Scotty J. He sneaks a smoke so he can kiss a gay, Scotty J. He still thinks Oriental's okay to say Scotty J. Gets dissed by chicks that listen their pate, Scotty J. Watch his dreams go swirling down the drain, Scotty J. more times can I really play that? I mean, really honestly. Oh, that's sad to say. Conceivably speaking, there's a finite number of plays left in the Scotty J song for any number of reasons. Especially because, what did Todd DeCorp say? Because as a culture, we've all dumped Tazon Day by the side of the road and sped away. So, in a week, nobody will even remember what that's parodying. It'll be like that, uh... Do you remember that Cheech and Chong song, Basketball Jones? I do. I had that album. Okay. Now, really? The Cheech and Chong album? Just pull it out. There's marijuana in the door of the car. Hold on. You were, we're missing. Can you... Okay. So now Sarah's hearing, I think, might be fixed. But now Tim actually doesn't have his headphones on and couldn't tell that he was no longer with it on mic just now. So you would open up the Cheech and Chong record and what? I couldn't hear you. Okay, it's like pulling open a car door. You pull it open and the inside sleeve shows marijuana inside this car door because the album itself is a car door. I have that, but I have it on CD, which is why I don't think I ever oh, knew that. See, that's part of the whole thing. Uh, Once you get rid of vinyl, you get rid of a lot of Americana. When you, when you get rid of vinyl, you get rid of America. Um, it's like You're the album with Osama. <laughs> When you, uh, it's like the Alice Cooper Schools Out record. The I have the Alice Cooper Schools Out on vinyl, and it looks like the top of an old 50s school desk, and the the top of it opens up, and you can actually rummage around inside. And the the bottom of the uh, album, if you took the the Alice Cooper Schools Out record and you tilted it down, you could actually fold out little paper legs, and it turned into an actual school desk with legs and a top. Of the, and then inside, I think the record was actually wrapped in underwear. I think it actually came in like a pair of, I hate this word, it came in a pair of panties. Ew. <laughs> All right. Well, then I need to get Basketball Jones, though, by Cheech and Chong. Now, for a million dollars, Jim Riley, 
do you remember the song that Basketball Jones is a parody of? No. Really? See, that that actually surprises me. You know who actually might know that is Scotty J. If only I had the uh, if only I had the mechanism with which to summon him. My, this is weird. It's sort of like the universe is going through and cleaning out the Scotty J. Sounders before I even have a chance to do it. This is sort of like the Langolier, Scotty. Everything relating to your time here at CBS Radio is just sort of half-lifing away into the ether. All right. Guess what he just typed on the screen? I filed them for easier use. Yes, you did, Scotty. Thank you so much. I appreciate you filing things for easier use. All right. Why, hello, it's five minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of October in the year of our Lord, 2007. Thank you for coming along, making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970. Solid State Radio, this, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you so much. It's uh, 503-733-2970 if you'd like to be uh, part of today's uh, program. 503-733-2970. With your comments, your clarifications, your two cents, your conventions, your uh, what have you. It's 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com, sarah at 970.am, tim at 970.am, or Scotty J at 970.am. Scotty J, actually, for the uh, remaining two days of this week, it will be there, hunkered in his hovel, waiting to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the uh, the what have you. All right, it's 503-733-2970, and normally it's a Wednesday when this happens to me, but today is Thursday, and I, in fact, have nothing written down on the sheet in front of me. It's not that there are not things to do. In fact, it, there's really just too much to do. Because people just started dying at a record pace right before the show started today. Mere moments before we took the air... Everybody over the age of 85 that this program had any interest in, they all just dropped dead about an hour ago. Um, so we'll, uh, and it was it was just to make our show. Except for B. Arthur, she's still alive. No, B. Arthur will never die. B. Arthur, and when she does die, they will take her brain, her spinal cord, her occipital lobe, and her face, and they will transport it onto some sort of cyborg-like machine, Jason X style, and then she will roam the hillsides, killing band of, uh, bands of villagers. Or maybe not. All right, well, B. Arthur's it. exactly 85. Is that true? <laughs> yeah. I would have thought she was younger than that, actually. We always joke Me about too. B. Arthur being really old, but I had no idea she was actually she 85. She on the dot 85. You know, the weirdest thing is that B. Arthur is herself older than the woman who played her mother on the Golden Girls. Whose name is Sarah? Oh, my God, I know this. That's what I'm talking about. These are the things you have to do, you know. Oh, um. You know that guy yesterday who was talking about doing mental, uh, uh, doing ocular calisthenics? He was talking about exercising his eye to keep your vision sharp. you got to do pop culture exercises with your brain so that at any moment, if they decide to hire you for some kooky morning zoo in Los Angeles, you'll be ready to go. Crap. Okay, you think know. about that. You think about the woman who played B. Arthur's mother on Golden Girls. Tim Riley, you try to come up with the song uh, which Basketball Jones is a parody of. Stogetti. Yes. Well, see, there oh, you go. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Wait, this is like a pop culture Olympics. Oh, Me my head hurts. <laughs> Meanwhile, Scotty, you tell me the name of the girl who played the robot on Small Wonder. <laughs> then we'll all be set. All right. So I'm going to apologize in advance if today's program sounds a little ragged. I have all of the stuff over here to talk about, and I... Uh, I have not yet to, to transcribed it onto the show Matrix, which is in front of me right here. So it's all uh, it's all very exciting and chaotic. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Here's what's coming up today: a double snuff watch. We'll get to a double snuff watch today. Uh, we do have a uh, geek watch, cannibal watch, uh, penis watch, 
And we'll try to get to all of those today. Steve Kastenbaum will be joining us uh, later on as well. Uh, Jim Roop will be joining us from Los Angeles with our Brittany Watch for today. Bob Costantini, uh, journalistic firebrand that he is, will be joining us from the Hill. Uh, let's see, it is High Concept Thursday, so we'll do that later on as well. Top five, and we will talk to uh, Scotty J, who uh, finishes up today and tomorrow, and then moves on to bigger, better, brighter, bolder things that he won't really clarify or discuss or explicate for us in any fashion. So we'll try to drill that out of him. Oh, and I will, I realize I didn't do this yesterday, and I got quizzed by every single person I passed in the hallway yesterday. I will unveil the nature of the Ozzy Osbourne artifact uh, that I got uh, a couple days ago uh, when he was here at the station. No more so. guessing? No more guessing. So we'll get to, because uh, nobody's ever going to guess it. We'll do maybe like one bank of calls, but nobody's ever going to figure out what it is. So I'll just unveil it later. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, we'll just take a couple of these calls up top. Uh, we'll uh, do intros and uh, introductions all the way around and so forth. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Good morning. I, I was just call, I was calling Scott Jay, wishing him a good day. And then he goes, there, we'll put you online. Okay. Are you I opening your mouth all the way when you speak? I just got up. Okay. Screw you. I was, there's no need, <laughs> sir, there's no need to be confrontational about this. I was, no need to be, you either sounded just a little bit asleep or as though you had just come from the dentist. Oh, I'm sorry. Next time I use a taser on myself. Okay. Up. There's, look, there's no need for snark, my friend. Um, all right. So you are wishing to, to bid Scotty J a fond farewell? Yeah. I was, I was like you. <laughs> you sound really personally invested in it, too. Yeah, I suppose. Sounds like it really is a thing that's close to your heart. Well, you know, what do you want me to do? Just kidding. Get on my knees and, you know. And what? And what? I ain't going to finish that. This is, a, this is a really odd call in the morning. You know, i got to tell you, I can understand almost none of what you're saying, but it is hilarious. So your mission has accomplished there, my friend. Well, but it's never a purpose. <laughs> Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, this is a great show already. We're only like nine minutes in. Hello, hi. Hello. Hey. Hi, how's it going? Vicky is the name of the robot on Small Wonder. Well done. Thank you, sir. No problem. All right. Uh, hi, Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, is this me? It's you. Okay. Hey. i got to come up with a witty response to that. <laughs> I'll stand before you. You start to get frustrated. It's not that I'm frustrated. I just start thinking about what a strange, dusty, kind of question it is. Yes. Hey, uh, I want to make a guess about what Ozzy left behind. Okay. Uh, is it a hair? No. Well, I mean, I can't rule out that he left some hairs behind. <laughs> he probably shed a few billion skin flakes while he was in there, too. I bet he did. So, hey, uh, love, love the show. All right. Thank Later. you. Bye. All right. There you go. What an odd program this sometimes is. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, yes, yeah, so Steve Kastenbaum will join us later on today from New York City. Uh, Jim Roop in Los Angeles. Bob Costantini from the Hill. We'll have a double snuff watch, a cannibal watch, and a penis watch uh, all on the way. We have today's Glorious Bastard. Uh, it's the Glorious Bastard of the Week. We'll, uh, we'll uh, reveal who that is later on. We'll talk to Scotty J. We'll do the top five and so forth. We're joined today, as are we always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Why, hello, how are you? I am fabulous. Why are you fabulous? Share it with everybody. Because I can here. That's fantastic. Because I called that magical phone number that Tim Riley gave me yesterday, and I called it after work, and um, and I called them. I talked to this really nice lady, and she's like, go out to Gresham. And so I drove out to Gresham to an urgent care place and then went there and 
got my ear cleaned and got um, um, a prescription for some antibiotics. It's probably the same urgent care place uh, that they always send me to. Is it what way, was my way... constant maiming of myself? Seriously, it was out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it, I was like 200th and stark. I gave myself a while back. I know. I, gave, I don't even know if I mentioned this in the year, but did you ever like cut yourself somehow and you're not quite sure how you did it? Oh yeah. So I had this. I had this weird cut. It was like on my arm and it like chunk. And I'd taken a big chunk out of my arm at some point, and it was just one of those things that like. I didn't like. I didn't have to get it stitched or anything, but you sort of felt like somebody ought to like, you know, give it a give it a good a good daubing, and you get one of those pads that you like tape onto it for a day or two, because I didn't want it to turn into a thing. Yeah. And no, I mean, I'm not trying to be gross about it. I'm just saying it wasn't like a huge. Don't cut. say good daubing then. Well, That's whatever disgusting. whatever it is they do to make sure that you're not it's covered in diphtheria or whatever the hell, whatever the hell happens that your mom is supposed to put bactine on your cut for. Anyway, but I call, as you put it, the magical phone number. You know, I called the insurance company and I said, uh, "Hello, I am." Uh, I appear to be bleeding. I need to... Can you help me, please? And uh, they said, okay, well, how do you feel about going to Gresham? And, I mean, that's such a complicated question. And I, I said, well, I do I have any choice? And they said, not unless you want to wait two days. And I said, no, no, Gresham's fine. Mm-hmm. So, But it was, like, way the hell out there. It was I way mean, out there, and it was, like, 7.30 at night when yeah. I left, and I was kind of... Yeah. And I could hear gunshots. I'm like, oh. <laughs> well, and but you are like, right near the urgent care place, though. I was. Should a bullet come care. whizzing through the car and take out one of your uh, one they of your can eyes? Deal with any battle fatigue related injury out there. <laughs> let me tell you. It's like being in Beirut. Um, it's true. So they're they're very nice. They cleaned out my ear. It was so gross. Yeah. It was completely blocked. He said that that my ear was completely like packed. Well, it's probably the least of the problems they face on a daily basis. Oh, seriously. Gresham in Gresham, I mean, really, that doesn't even qualify as a it paper cut. It was There were just people like coughing and like lots of little. Uh, Sticky oh, yeah. fingered children running around. And, and when like, you sit in a hospital waiting room, you realize that if you're not already filled with disease, you will be by the time you get in to see the doctor because you're next to a guy going. <laughs> I mean, it's like you're being surrounded by the opening 15 seconds of sweet leaf on every side. And you know that you're just inhaling microbes by the billions into your soft, fragile lungs. And so, but yeah, so you'll have, uh, you know, you'll have typhus by the time you get in to see the guy. So what do they now? I don't mean to be the gross about this. Now do they hold you down over it? No, it was hold you awesome. down, but they pull you over a sink or something, and then no, she brought out like this squeezy bottle thing that had um, like a straw-like thing on the end of it, uh-huh. filled it with warm water, then has this uh, this bowl that has like. I don't know, like a half moon cut out for your ear. Yeah. You put the bowl next to your it, ear. Kind of like the sink they use when they wash your hair at the hair cutting place. Yeah, except for it's, a, it's one that I was holding. It was yeah. just like a little bowl, so I held it up to my ear. And she squeezed the squeezy bottle into my ear, and it really, it, it didn't hurt, but it was really uncomfortable. Yeah. Like just this pounding of water into your ear. And uh, she just kept on cleaning and cleaning and cleaning. And she's like, okay, I'm done. And I looked in the bowl, and it was just Disgusting. Now, would you like? Did you did uh, you take a photo of whatever came out of your ear? No. Oh, that's too bad. It was really gross. What well, was it? Uh... It looked exactly how she said it would. It looked like a like Damn. a cherry pit. Oh. It was so gross. And so they, but it was just wax, right? It was all wax. I don't know something. A cherry pit sized ball of wax lodged within your ear. It was so wrong. That is fantastic. Now you're ready to get on with the rest of your life. Seriously, now I feel good. I cleaned, um It turns out I did actually have an ear infection in both ears, a minor one. Good. Yeah. So um, I'm did, on did, did the ear infection cause the blocking, or did the blocking cause the infection? You know, I don't know, because it was blocked on this side, but then this side also had fluid behind the See, eardrum. I, aren't you glad you went to a real doctor? I really am. Not to some the, the guy who's going to jump up and down and, you know, and like have you, I don't know, have you go down and pray to the moon at night and eat a bunch of herbs out of a bag? No, I feel a lot better. You went to a real doctor, you went to a hospital, and then they gave you a big thing of drugs. Except for I went to the pharmacy this morning to pick up um, my eardrops. 
And I guess I didn't call the magical pharmacy phone number because they said they'd never heard of me. Yeah. No, and the pharmacy part always sucks because it takes like an hour. Yeah, and the pharmacy, well, and I guess the insurance didn't cover the pharmacy. I guess they didn't sign up for that part. So I just had to pay out of pocket, which is like 40 bucks. Really? Well, it sucks. It, you know, it, can, it actually can cost a lot more sometimes. Though, to bed. You would be astounded. You know, I'm just glad that I am so thankful for my hearing. I am so grateful. Like, as soon as she cleaned it out, right, yeah. my ears yesterday, and I could I hear can hear! Again. Yeah. I am wearing earplugs everywhere. Oh, Even yeah. Even if I think someone's going to be raising their voice, I'm wearing earplugs. No, that is, and the thing is, and you'll realize it, too, because if you if you start wearing earplugs everywhere and then you go to a show and you don't have earplugs, it will be deafening. Mm-hmm. Like those red, that Red Hot Pistol thing. I had actually had to leave at, some, at one point the other night. I was just like, you know, this is, Jim fellas, you're just too loud. And I just, I had to leave because I wear a hearing protection, and so when I don't, it's just deafening mm-hmm. everywhere I go. Well, you're pretty much deaf right now anyway. I'm not, I mean, I, I, compared to the average person, yes. Compared to most people in radio, my hearing is actually still pretty good, and so I'm trying to keep it that way. I can't wear earplugs when I'm on the air. That's just not going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I can't, I can't, it's just not going to help me. I'm not going to be able to do my job if I have earplugs while I'm here. Uh, and so I spend uh, 20 hours a week, 80 so I spend about 900 hours a year with headphones aimed directly, you know, half an inch from my ears, uh, you know, listening to loud noise. So, I mean, it's, there's nothing I can do about that. But as a result, that's why I always wear, wear those things to shows. You know what does suck, though, is when you go to the doctor and then he he gives you, you know, you okay, you need to do whatever for like the... Um, Whatever it was for the cut. It was like a vaccine type thing you wanted me to get mm-hmm. to, put, you know, to make sure the cut didn't get infected. So I, and I go and I sit in the pharmacy, and that's where the waiting really kicks in. Because it, it took me like 85 minutes or something. And then I finally get to the window, and the guy's like, you know, because they have the, you take a number. And the guy's serving number 79. And I, you know, and I find 79, that's me. And I finally go up there. And in front of you are a bunch of people who are bleeding and dripping and oozing. And, yeah. and I finally get to the window, and the guy's like, what do you need? And I'm like, I need this uh, I need this thing for this cut. And just, you know, here you go. And the guy's like, okay, uh, well, let me go take a look. Let me go get that for you. And then he wanders back, and I swear to you, it was like 15 minutes before the guy came back with, like, the little the little spray bottle of whatever. And I'm like, wait, do I, I mean... Don't they have a, 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 a like a Dewey Decimal System of some kind? Don't they know where stuff is? And I came to the realization that when you work at a place like a pharmacy, you're just in no particular hurry because again, you are in that class of people that could never be fired. You just never be fired at all. There's nothing you can do to ever get that guy uh, out of his job. So anyway, I'm glad you're better. Yeah, I'm glad you can hear. It still kind of hurts a little bit. I can well, it's because you had a big thing jammed into it for I like know. three weeks. Because you've been complaining about your hearing, uh, and I'm not complaining about you complaining. I'm just saying you have been ob- making that note about your hearing for like Since almost. Since I got back from New York. Yeah, it's been it's been all, the better part of, of two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can so. totally tell too that I haven't been hearing to my full capacity when she cleaned up my ear yesterday. Yeah. I was like, oh, it, everything just sounded so different. And, and I mean, and every time you were sticking a Q-tip or something in there, you were just like jamming it in further. I mean, it's just yeah. So yeah, he seems pretty impressed. He's it was completely blocked. He was really? Did it, yeah. Did it go on like his wall of fame like at Salvador Mali's when you eat all those hot, fiery ball things? <laughs> you get your Polaroid taken right next to you, the, the ball of goo from your ear. Ew. All right. Uh, Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification today. Yeah, I've lost them all. <laughs> me? Well, I, I have so many breaking things going on Well, here. I mean, if somebody could see the pile of stuff, which is normally large, but today is massive. Well, that's Yeah, know. the thing was, you know, I, I came in uh, around 10 o'clock thinking it's going to be your normal day. So I pulled all the normal things that I would usually use. And all of a sudden, in the past few minutes, everything has changed. So here's what we have. The last surviving Rat Packer, Joey Bishop, is dead. He was 89. That sucks. We have a couple of clips, including uh, Mama Sammy Davis Jr. play for you a little Fantastic. bit. Deborah Carr, best known for that uh, steamy love scene on the beach from here to eternity, also passed away. 
The House has failed to override the president's veto of children's health insurance. Most children aren't as lucky as we are here in this room. Republican presidential candidate Sam Brownback quits the race for president. Brittany loses her visitation rights. Uh, the rain causes rocks to tumble on the cars and can be. Really? And the weather's going to get worse. Okay. Yeah, so there you That's go. Just scratching the surface. I, let me just give a brief overview of the various... I can't even talk about all the, the, the stories I've got over here because I did not even have time to categorize them. I was running very behind today, uh, trying to get some stuff done. Uh, and then I came in today, and so I got uh, the, the, the news is just sort of is, is splayed out before me. Higgledy-piggledy. It really is, yes. It's all... Yes, it's helter-skelter all over the counter. So... Here's what we've got. I've, I've got uh, I've got this big pile of things here about the about the how you're. I don't even know where to start. This thing about the Tigered Winco. I mean, how can you pass up a story about the Tigered Winco? I got this whole thing about. Let me just read this really quickly, and then and then this, I'm going to throw this away so we can be done with it. And we've got all these calls, and we got a break, and we got another thing. Um, this is from Denver, Colorado. In an effort to combat the problem of childhood obesity, the Denver Public School District is sending home student health reports to keep parents informed. However, one parent says it should not have been sent home in her daughter's backpack where she could read it. Her daughter, Isabel, was sent home from the Centennial School on Monday with a health notice. It listed her height, weight, and body mass index right next to a big red stamp that said overweight. <laughs> First of all, your kid knows she's overweight if she owns a mirror or a scale or has eyes that function. But guess what? This is 2007, okay? We now live in 2007. I mean, we have exploded, you'll pardon the pun, all kinds of myths about being underweight, overweight, being too fat, being too thin, eating the right food, eating the wrong food, okay? They're not just making this up. The school isn't just sort of looking at the girl and deciding she's got fat ankles and deciding she needs to slim down. They listed her height, her weight, and her BMI, her body mass index, which is, it is like having your fat ratio calculated. It's a measure of body fat. It's a scientific assessment that the daughter is a porker. What does the mom say? What does the mom say? What is, what is the response? She's big boned. Exactly! She's big boned! She says this in the story. That is the actual quote. Florette Martinez says, quote, My daughter is big boned. End quote. Saying your daughter, saying anybody is big boned is like having, it's sort of like having a mullet. You sort of thought everybody got the memo at this point, that you just can't. Those are things you're just not supposed to do. All right, now we don't have to read that. I've, 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 I've read it, I've given the over. Now I don't have to talk about it later and make a whole thing out of it. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program, hey, sir, Rick, madam, as the case may be. Hello, hi. How's it going? What's up? Oh, I'm just going to take a guess on what Ozzy left. Okay. Oh, this is uh, my Ozzy artifact. Go ahead. Right. Um, did he leave his fork from his lunch? No, I don't think I don't believe Ozzy had lunch here. I thought he said he did. No, he had some Starbucks. I mean, I, I said you know dropped him for lunch sort of figuratively. I think uh, oh. I think he had some Starbucks and like a bag of Tim's chips. I don't believe he actually had a full. Uh, I don't think he had a full lunch. So no, okay. he had, he did not he did not leave his fork behind. But that's a good guess. Thank you, sir. All right. All right. Thank you. Hi, uh, Rick Emerson Show, sir, madam, as the case may be. Hello. Hello, Rick. Hello. Yeah, I'd like to get the Ozzy artifact. All right, go ahead, sir. It is a harmonica, is it not? Why would you guess a harmonica? Uh, well, I was thinking that uh, he played some harmonica with Black Sabbath, and it seemed like something he could buy a buck of and kind of hand out readily. No, but I like the idea of Ozzy Osbourne with a bag full of harmonicas wandering <laughs> the streets. <laughs> that was a 
guess. All right. Wandering the streets. Thank you, sir. Ozzy Osbourne wandering the streets, handing out mouth organs like a man handing out bread to pigeons in Central Park. No, that's a great. Uh, that's an interesting guess. It's wrong, though. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. You know, I don't think you can say mouth organ and big bone in the same uh, sentence. <laughs> mouth organ is great. And by the way, mouth organ is a phrase. That is a way to refer to the harmonica that I had never um, yeah. heard of. I, I wasn't familiar with that. Until it's disturbing you, in so many ways, though. Yeah, I wasn't familiar with it until years ago when I watched uh, when I watched The Commitments, which is a fantastic film uh, that takes place that in like Ireland. That's one of my favorite films of all time. And there's the guy who comes and knocks at the door because Jimmy Rabbit uh, has placed an ad, you know, saying, you know, have you got soul? And he's auditioning singers and musicians for his soul band in, in, the, in Ireland. And so the kid shows up at the front porch with a harmonica and his dad, who is what's his name from, uh, from uh, Star Trek Voyager, answers the door and the kid just immediately starts playing the harmonica. And in the background, Jimmy Rabbit says, who is it? And the dad, Colmini, says, some snotty-nosed young fellow with a mouth organ. Which really? I, completely st stuck with me. It's the greatest phrase. A snotty-nosed young fellow with a mouth organ. Sounds like your childhood. Yes. Hey, um, is it a, a bottle, an empty bottle of Viso that, uh, that he left? No, I really should have given him one of those. I should uh, have yeah, given Ozzy. I should have given Ozzy a bottle of Viso, mm -hmm. but sadly for all Bigger. of us, sir, I did Bigger not. Bigger just to wake him up. No, no, he sounded very, well, he sounded relatively lucid. I mean, not absolutely lucid, but I mean, it's all relative with Ozzy. He it really is. Hey, um, Sarah, did the doctor, not to go off topic here, but did the, did the doctor, as, as a fellow uh, ear sufferer in, in kind, did the doctor tell you to make sure you drain your ears each time after you, after you showered? No. How do you drain your ears? It's, it's really weird. It's really simple, but it's, it's kind of funky. You just, you know, turn your head to one side and stick your ear in there and make sure all the water is drained out uh, of each ear. After you shower, because if you don't, the water sits in there and it kind of builds it's up. Mildews. It, it, it really does. And you and get a little, little mold. A, a little wax plug, and then it, you know, it keeps building and building, and building. So, um, so yeah, do that. Well, yeah, I'm right, gonna then. be very careful with them from now on. All right, thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, do a few more, and then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick and crew. Hey, what's up? Portland, Maine. Sixth graders are getting the pill. Contraceptive. Yeah, I know. I understand they the reference. They get it for free, and I have to pay for it. I was just gonna. <laughs> that's totally not the joke I was gonna make, but that's probably better. Um, I was. Were you were you meaning to deliver that like Doyle Redner, like somebody who was sort of like a, like a newscaster auditioning for a Rob Cordry's job on The Daily Show? I was trying. Okay. That's so good. what is it? Sixth graders in Maine are getting the pill. Contraceptives, yes. Yes, Sixth I... graders at some middle school over there are getting the pill. Now, is this free, or do they have to pay for it? No, it's free, and well, they're not even telling the parents. Well, fantastic. Excellent. There you go. Well, it's about good starting off kind of young. It's about good our tax. It's about time our tax dollars pay for something decent. Well, don't they already have rubber machines in all the schools everywhere? I wouldn't doubt it over there. Over there in Maine with their New, with their new England values. Tim Riley. All right. Well, I mean, I would think that Portland, Oregon would have that before Portland, Maine would have it. You know what I mean? We're a big bleeding heart town. Yeah, okay, thanks. Bye. I guess he wanted me to be upset about it. I think he did. Aren't you upset? No, I don't care. I'm not I'm upset. Like, oh, I'm not a sick well, I was going to say, I'm only upset that, you know, that they get it and Sarah doesn't. Um, the, I, look, I am not a sixth grader. I don't have any sixth graders. Therefore, sixth grade's pretty young. Ergo, I am not upset. QED. Well, sixth grade's pretty young, but sixth grade, I would say I think this. sixth grade's probably different now than it was when we were in sixth grade. And look, I'll say well, this. Then, there's snowball nine months of the year, and they're stuck at home. <laughs> 
I guess I would play Monopoly every day. Certainly not. <laughs> Doesn't it seem like there should be some Monopoly joke I can make there? Um, your community chest? Something? No, I don't know. Um, no. No, but I was. Look, to go. I guess he. Wa I guess he wanted to. Uh, I guess he wanted me to be upset about it. I would say that sixth grade is really young to be getting birth control pills. But you know what? Sixth grade is also young to be doing having a baby. Mm -hmm. So if I have to choose between sixth graders getting the pill or sixth graders getting pregnant, uh, I'll take pill, please. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Seriously. Hey, Rick. That thing you borrowed from Ozzy the other day. I think I know what it is because I have the same thing. Okay. Okay, Ozzy, uh, my brother played with Ozzy uh, a couple years ago when his drummer got sick, and uh, Ozzy is known to have poor bathroom uh, practices. So I, I think you have a floater, just like I do. Oh, no. What? No. Stop that. Don't, don't ever call again. You can call again, just not about that. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Why, hello. All right. Well, we're going to finish this out, and then we'll break, because the calls are getting progressively weirder. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? What's up, sir? I got to guess uh, some of Ozzy's hair, like, came off the back of the seat. No, no, no. The, no somebody, somebody had guessed hair, and again, I can't rule out the fact that Ozzy left hair behind. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, hadn't, I hadn't heard that guess. Hi, yeah. sir. It's Steve from the Beef. Hi, Steve. Hello. How you doing? All right. Uh, well... Okay. We keep on guessing. Thank you. Bye now. All right, there you go. All right, it's 503-733-2970. So in case you've missed the last 20 minutes of the program, Sarah can hear again. Oh, Tim Riley, I forgot to even note this. You are no longer bespectacled. I am not, no. So wait a minute. That's so strange. I've never known you without glasses. Sarah's hearing uh, is back to normal. You are now wearing your bifocal contact lenses. Yes, when you started here, as a matter of fact... You didn't I wear glasses? Still, I was still wearing contacts, but just for reading. Okay. And then when my far away vision got worse, I had to start wearing bifocal. Okay, but now you have bifocal contact lenses. That's correct. Yes. I will say this, you know, you know, here's how I know that that was a good move, because I didn't really notice it. And I mm -hmm. think that is the definition of a good move for your appearance is when no one really notices. Uh -huh. It's like when you get a haircut, or you change your hair color or something. If people don't notice, that means that it's not too drastic or weird. So I think it works. You look good without glasses. I Why, thank you. No, I was born that way. Now, are you able to... Uh, now, are you able to see properly the bifocal contacts work uh -huh. hey somebody sent That's me the, cool. someone sent me the link to those nike uh, contact lenses you could buy that are non-corrective but that they can't everything like got into my head and stole my idea totally somebody sent me the link you have to have a doctor uh, say that it's okay because of your eye health to make sure you don't have an infection or anything in your eye but it was a link to go to nike and nike will sell these contacts you put in and they tint to keep the sun out of your eyes you know depending on how much they cost i might actually buy those because if you're gonna be and, and you looked at me like I was a crazy person. No, yesterday. I didn't look at you like you were a crazy person as such. It just was one of those things that I had to sort of wrap my brain around. But of course, like all good ideas, Phil Knight, you know, beat us to it, and he's, you know, he's been marketing it already. So, all right. Uh, okay, we should be done. Uh, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. I'm unclear about whether we've gotten to a lot of stuff in this opening segment or nothing at all. Sources point to nothing. Uh, we'll break here. We'll come back. Bob Costantini coming up later on. Steve Castamon, Tim Riley at noon with the new news hour featuring a double snuff watch. Uh, now with 200% more celebrity death. Later on, James Roop, top five, Scotty J, and so forth. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson.
right. I'll be quiet. My hello. Can I just say this, and I won't say that, but let me say this. Yes. You know one of the best written lines in the history of film, and I, it's, not, it's a movie I don't really like. But did you ever see a movie where they just they just nail it? They, they have a line or a phrase in a film that perfectly and succinctly sums something up. Uh, it, it just it, 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 it perfectly encapsulizes and crystallizes something that we've all thought, but that you've never really been able to boil down into one sentence before. And then once they do it, it's just sort of obvious. Um, I'm trying to think of another example right now because it seems like Cameron Crowe does this a lot. Um, but it is that it, it's that line in American Beauty when Kevin Spacey is talking to uh, the gay man who's going to be helping him work out. And the guy's like, well, do you want to do crunches? Do you want to do upper body, lower body? What do you want to do? And Kevin Spacey just goes, I want to look good naked. And that's it. I mean, because that's, that's – I don't care what anybody does in exercise. I don't care what you do at the gym. I don't care what kind of diet you're planning. That's all anybody really cares about. I mean, unless you're just going to be doing the one-man Iditarod triathlon, swimming the English Channel contest. I mean, that's all anybody really cares about. But I'd never seen it – I remember when I watched that movie – I was just I was really taken aback at how great that one line is because mm -hmm. it just sums up everything and I'd never heard it boiled down to its bare essence like that no, before. No, you can talk about it. I don't care. We can talk about it later. But yes, well, that does compare because I didn't. You know, you have a certain perception of yourself and you think like, oh, I must weigh a certain amount. And you, then you thought you weighed one amount. You stepped on I the scale. I you weighed, weighed like something else. Fifteen pounds less than I actually do. See, but I do believe, and then we'll have to we have to get Bob here in just one second. Not have to. We are graced with the presence of Bob in just one second. But I will say that I do believe that number is deceptive, though. I know it looked so wrong. I was looking at her, and as she was inching toward you know another number. Oh, I'm was like, she doing what? the sliding thing, the scale yes. with the big slides that go back and forth? Yes, that was exactly what it was. Yeah, I. Well, I don't see it. I will say this: I have seen you uh, heavier than you are now. Yeah. I've seen photos of you from when you were uh, substantially heavier than you are now. College. Um, oh yeah. Uh, I'm saying this. I'm saying that I, I see nothing. I, I see nothing to be worried about. I think that number is deceptive. I know. I really I'm not do. either because I've been really feeling good about myself, and then as soon as I got on that scale, I'm like. This is why I don't weigh my I don't even get on I don't own a scale at all. I didn't want to even look. I, I wish that she wouldn't have said it out loud. Uh, scales are evil, and I know I sound like a girl talking about this, but scales suck. They're evil. because, because it, it doesn't matter factor into the fact that I ride my bike eight miles a day, oh. and like I have all this muscle, but still, it just makes me feel like... That's huge. the thing, is we place an inordinate amount of importance on the number of that scale, mm -hmm. and I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to explain it away like the idiot mom that said her daughter was big-boned, but I'm saying it really is... It is so impossible to get any true sense of what somebody looks like by using that. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's like because then you're really just like one step away from the carnival barker, carnival barker that's guessing your, you know, your weight so you can win an eraser. Uh, all right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the hill, a man worth whatever his weight might be in journalistic gold. Bob Potsman, That would be you. Uh... Quite an expensive piece of gold. <laughs> what, you, you sound like you sound a man like who's. A slender man. You sound like you're in shape. Actually, I uh, I have lost 35 pounds uh, recently, but uh, let me not brag. <laughs> that was so great. That was just a little like. Let me just lay that out there. Bam. You know what you were like just then? You were yeah. just like uh, you were just like Teddy KGB at the beginning of Rounders, where he just puts down those eights over aces or whatever. And he goes, I don't have spades, and he just lays down the full house or whatever. Do you see Damon just deflate across the table? That was you just laying it out there. Well, Rick, I have lost 35 pounds. I don't want to brag though. Let's move on. You're, right. you're the one who brought it up. I know it's true. And look, I'm no one. I don't even. 
Okay, just hold on one second. Are you going to weigh yourself? At the end of this call, Bob, in terms of full disclosure, at the end of this call, that's a scale. I will weigh myself at the end of this call. All right. Uh, I have a scale, and I know this scale is accurate. It's from the American Diabetes Organization. Uh, All right. They sent it to us uh, in the mail. We really need to get rid of that thing. Yeah. They sent it to us in the mail, uh, you know, because blah, 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 diabetes, overweight, blah, 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 everybody's going to die. So... Um, all right. Well, hey, speak, speaking of, of that, actually, so I don't want to belabor this business of, of, of health care, but this sentence does sort of intrigue me. This is what the CNN prep sheet says today. Like history's gunfight at the OK Corral, it's showdown time in Washington. Uh, so that makes me care about something I stopped caring about a couple of days ago. Please now to explain. Um, yes, uh, <laughs> perhaps a bit of hyperbole from the, on the part of the assignment editors uh, at uh, CNN, but um, in truth, it is uh, the sort of thing that uh, makes Washington tick much anymore. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, we received I received a um, statement from Campaign for America's Future just a few moments ago that says there are 50, 156 House enemies of children. Uh, these are the people who did not vote to override the president's veto a short time ago. And uh, are they really being called the enemies of children? Enemies of children. This is uh, <laughs> this is the campaign for America's future. It is a uh, liberal organization. No. Um, but uh, you know, obviously, they would take a, a, a issue with being declared enemies of children. I mean, I'm not trying to laugh at the idea that somebody's an enemy of children, but it does show just at this point in 2007 how we have just stripped away any pretense mm-hmm. of any sort of nuanced discourse in this country. I mean, yes. the enemies of children. All yes. right. Uh, so, but, the, the, but the veto clearly is, I mean, this is a thing that the, the Bush vetoed, it, and it's, it's not going to pass ever unless it comes back in some radically uh, reformulated, uh, you know, they're going to have to really overhaul this if they ever want to push it through, correct? Well, they fell 13 votes short of the veto override, and um, uh, there was a lot of support for this bill actually in the Senate. In fact, it had passed just by the two-thirds necessary. Uh, but, of course, if the House doesn't override the president, that doesn't matter. Um, but, uh, you know, they may not be all that far apart. I mean, everyone is uh, taking uh, positions and, uh, you know, putting up fronts, if you will. Uh, but there may be some behind-the-scenes negotiations going on. The president has sent three of his uh, cabinet officials here to Capitol Hill to start trying to work out some kind of compromise. The Democrats' bottom line, though, and they insist that they're going to stick with this, is to cover a total of 10 million children. Right now, a little bit more than 6 million are covered under the S-CHIP program. Uh, so it, it remains to be seen. If you want to make sure that you cover those 10 million children, you have to do it with a lot more money than what the president is willing to accept, it seems. All right. I, uh, I will say this, by the way, Ed, that I am an advocate of, uh, of overhauling our health care system. On the other hand, I don't really care for youngsters, so I would like now to be named an honorary enemy of children. Just for everybody listening, Rick Emerson now, as of today, no. for the rest of today, I will be an honorary enemy of the children. Just no to, comment from me. I'm just saying. All right. Bob, would you like to take a guess at my weight before I stand on the scale? Um, no, actually, I haven't really a clue, to tell you the truth. Right. You, you sound like a relatively uh, I am, uh, I'm, a fit person. I'm a little under six <laughs> feet tall, uh, and I am of uh, medium build. Is that a fair statement, Sarah? Yes, you okay. are medium build. Can I take my shoes off? Do it. Okay. okay. I'm, well, I'm just saying, because I got these, my shoes are kind of heavy. Am I guessing? One, Go ahead. 185. 185, Sarah Dillon? 174. All right. Scotty, do you have a guess as to what my weight might be? We'll say, so Bob is saying 184, 182. All right. 
Showcase showdown style. I'm now stepping on the American Diabetes Association scale. Oh, that's no good. I am. Wait, hold on. 190. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So well, you don't uh, look 190, so that makes me feel better. No. I no. would say 170. Actually, you know what? I guess exactly 15 pounds under what you are. Yes. So and that's what I want to be as well. Let's just I, pretend. Scotty has noted on the screen that I am, quote, a real fatty patty. Thanks, Scotty. Only because it's your last week, Scotty, will I allow such uh, such vitriol to come out of you unpunished. All right, Bob Costantini, enjoy the rest of your day, my friend. I'm sure we will speak to you tomorrow. Goodbye to Scotty and goodbye to all of you. Thank you, sir. Talk to you soon. Bye, Bye, Thanks. Bye now. Costantini. From CNN. Why do I suspect he weighs a whole lot more than that? He sounded so deflated that I only weighed 190. Yeah. All right, we must Google Bob Costantini. All right, there you go. Did I... you throw that in the garbage? Oh, my... What? Throw it in the scale? garbage. No, get I gotta keep it here for future humiliation. No, it's bad. We should tell bands from now on that they can only come on the program if they allow they themselves to be weighed. <laughs> we'll play your song if you let us. It's sort of a, uh, it's sort of a, uh, a health-based uh, plugola system. We'll, uh, we'll play your record if you allow us to give out your weight on the air. That's a great idea. Hey, you know, because I, there was just a, there was a, you know, the other thing that goes out so every... mean and hilarious. There's that thing, you know, that goes out all the time about how you can't take money from record labels and the bands can't pay you to play stuff, which is fine, you know, whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, because I think that's been, been a law since like 1952, ever since they sued Alan Freed into oblivion. I um, have to tell you, Bob Costantini looks exactly like he sounds. Really? I picture him looking like Bob Schaefer from CBS. Okay, look. look at this. Oh, see, I didn't picture him as that. No? He doesn't look like I thought he would. Oh, he looks exactly like I thought he would. Good-looking man, though. He is a good-looking man. Yeah, he does look like a newsman. Like he, he does actually look like he's big bones. Yeah. He t- and I'm not saying yeah. fat. I mean, literally, he no, does look like, like a big he's guy. He's got a large frame, Sarah. Um, but you know what we ought to do? Because in radio, for decades now, you know, there have been rules against taking uh, money or drugs or whores or whatever in exchange for playing a, a rock and roll record. I miss the whores. So what could we... What can we start doing in exchange for that? That I think that you've nailed the it. The weigh-in. You have to have a Rick Emerson show weigh-in. That we'll play your we'll play your uh, your song, but in exchange you must uh, you must weigh in on the scale, and we will announce the weight of every band member on the air. Then you get then you get to play. Then you get to spin. All okay, right. I like the scale. So everybody else kind of gets in under the wire, but that's the new rule from now on. All right. Uh, let's take some of these calls, and we'll get uh, Steve Castle. Take those fatties in Nickel Arcade. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> All hundred pounds of them. pies. <laughs> Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, sir. Hey, Toby. How you doing there, buddy? Thanks. Hi. What's up? <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I'm just playing. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> sorry, I just throw that in there. Hey, speaking of Toby, um, I had a... Uh... I had a, a comment about the whole big bone thing. Yeah, we have this, this great story uh, from Denver where this girl got sent home from school with a note from the nurse who had taken her body mass index and said, Hey, you're overweight. And the woman said to the newspaper, quote... My daughter is big boned. Yeah, well, somebody should ask that mom if she's ever seen a fat skeleton because you know, he's gone. <laughs> well, as somebody once noted, your bones don't grow at a certain point. You right. get to be an adult and your bones stay exactly the same size. So there exactly. are no fat bones. Yeah, I'm... yeah, so big bones is just kind of a, just a, a, a cover-up for saying my daughter's a porker. Yes, I'm with you on that. Thank you, sir. Hey, you're welcome. Right to you. Thank you. Uh, two more, and then we'll talk to Steve. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. I uh, just wanted to call in and agree with Sarah about her uh, ear operation. Uh-huh. I had the same thing happen about four months ago, and uh, the water was uncomfortable, but it didn't hurt. 
And uh, what they pulled on my ear looked kind of like a hairy raisin, actually. Yeah, it was so gross. Like, I <laughs> it thought was, it was so gonna... gross. But... I know. Like, I yeah. thought it would be kind of neat looking, but it was just really just gross. Somebody yeah. has said here, uh, people are demanding to see the thing that came out of your ear, but uh, I don't think we have it. Um, no. It's... It's, it's been flushed away. It has. Somebody has said here... Uh, they have found that the exact gene for dark earwax, I'm sorry, thick dark earwax, it is genetic. Apparently there was an actual well, it wasn't study. It was really dark. Really? What color no. would you, what color, what food like would a, you compare it, it to? It was like an am, um. Caramel corn? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like an amber kind of a thing. Yeah, well, I've never had earwax or problems with it before. I don't know. I think um, the, the doctor said he thinks that it might have been, was listening to something too loudly. And, and it might... dislodged a chunk of it. It goes inside and then a rolling stone gathers moss. Earwax gathers more earwax. Okay. Oh, that really is horrific. It is. I know. And now I feel all dirty. Yeah. Yeah. It was worth one hundred twenty-five dollars, though. It was. Yeah. It was worth. A, let's see about. Well, because you had the, just a little, the copay and then the and then so the, the medicine. Yeah. So worth it. But I mean, seriously, and I don't mean to. I, well, whatever. We'll just move on. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. One more, and then we'll talk to Steve Castamon. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Rick, got a question. What's up? Um, is encapsulizes a word? Encapsulize? Yes, I do believe it is a word. Uh, Wouldn't it be encapsulate? Well, I suppose. I mean, you know, that's one of those uh, suffixes are real tricky. And I know that in a sense all words are made up. But I do believe that's... Well, now I don't even know. I think now that I think about it, I'm doing that thing that I always criticize people for, where exactly. I have ad. Listen, he was just waiting for me to admit it. Just trying to be your little Jiminy Cricket, because uh, I know it just it gets your panties in a, in a twist. I'm doing that thing uh, where I add I Z E to the end of an er, uh, end of a word that I really need it, like the one I always say is moisturize. When the, the word is actually new, new word maker. Yeah, when really like the word is Bush. the word is moisten. Well, let's not. Let's not go that far. I will say. I didn't mean to, didn't mean to call you out in front of public. No, no, no. In the public. I will say though, for the record, I have. We have talked about this before. That I've always wondered how you coin a word, because you know they say like, well, this phrase was coined by so and so in 1909. I, I always wonder. Incorrect the first time it's used. Well, most things do. Uh, most incorrect words, uh, you know, that sort of are like that. They sound uh, good until you sort of examine them. But I always wondered how I could get on my business card, like wordsmith, coiner of words. You know what I mean? That it does seem like that ought to be a job where you sit in a room and you come up with new words for things. Yep. All right. Thank you. Yeah, no, I kind of like in Josie and the Pussycats with that whole system where they come up with new hip slang words. It's exactly like exactly. that. Exactly. You know what I heard the other day, and then we will talk to Steve in like 10 seconds. I heard the band that is the main project. We're going so deep here. I heard the main project uh, of the girl who does most of the music for Josie and the Pussycats. Who's the lead singer of Letters to Cleo? No, 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 no. It's, uh, well, she didn't do the music. I know that she sang. It's a woman who wrote the songs. Okay. Uh, there was a woman who wrote a great number of the songs for Josie and the Pussycats, and she fronts this sort of power punk band. Uh, I forget the name of them. I, the, 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 the name is escaping me at the moment. Um, anyway, I heard her record the other day. It was really great. They're like best known as the author of most of Josie and the Pussycats songs. Cool. Was, I'll dig it up. It was actually really cool. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. CNN radio correspondent and God Among Men, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hello. That's a great uh, introduction. So, well, encapsulate is a word. I just looked it up for you. I Encapsulate is a word, but when I was saying encapsulize, I think that I'm doing a little Jesse Jackson thing. Oh, there. yeah, that one's not. Well, th I see it here on dictionary.com, but as as two words, encapsulize, and it says there's no dictionary entries for encapsulize, but N-E-N, -E comma, capsulize, 
are spelled correctly, so I guess it's not a word. Sorry, bud. So it's not a wait, wait, so they list it, but they say it's not a word? Yeah, they list it, but they say it's not a word. Well, you know, can I just tell you this? The dictionary, I mean, the dictionary is sort of a living, fluid, organic thing, too, though. I remember, I'm old enough to remember when they listed ain't as sort of, you know, like, don't ever use this. It makes you look like a, like a tool. And then a few years ago, they started listing ain't. But they no longer said it wasn't a word. They sort of softened it. They said it was a word, but mostly southern in derivation and to be used only colloquially, it, with no admonition actually against its use. They they stopped they stopped saying it wasn't a word. So yeah, the colloquialism is the out for everybody for yeah. bad grammar. Yeah, you can use it because it's colloquial. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Yeah, if you just don't know what you're talking about or don't know how to use your own language, just make crap up and then say, well, no, 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 no. That's just a, it's a, it's a dialect. That's right. how you get out. That's the other way you get out of not knowing how to use the English language. You claim you're just speaking in a dialect. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm not going to dwell on it because I got to do a whole. Look, you're talking to a man. I had one of the editors from Merriam-Webster uh, come and sit in the studio with me for like 35 minutes one time and listen to just what on the receiving end of just this unholy screed from me uh, about the criteria by which they added or removed words from the dictionary. And I, when, I think when she agreed to come on the show, she had no idea that she was going to get that as soon as she walked in. So I know that I can go a little overboard with those things. Um, this sounds a little, well. Two things. Uh, we've got this sort of interesting human, uh, the human nature story, and then we've got this other thing about licenses. So let's get the license thing out of the way first. I don't mean to sound xenophobic, but are they really going to be giving driver's licenses uh, in in New York City to illegal immigrants? It's actually uh, throughout the state, and here's what the governor wants to do. He wants to change uh, the criteria. Uh, for how you get a driver's license here. Right now, one of the things that uh, you sort of need uh, is a Social Security card. But uh, the governor is saying, you know, that's ridiculous. Why do you need a Social Security card? Whether or not you're uh, a, a, um, um, a citizen of the United States really doesn't uh, determine whether or not you're able to drive a car here. If you're here as an immigrant, uh, you can still get a driver's license legally in the United States. He's just sort of extending this by saying, uh, in addition to not needing a Social Security card, the new documentation that you need would make it possible for also uh, illegal immigrants or undocumented aliens, if you want to call them that, uh, they would be able to get driver's licenses here in New York. And this already exists in eight other states. But he's saying that it would actually uh, make, make us safer because so many hit-and-run accidents uh, are the result of a, an, an illegal – I don't know if this is true or not. We don't have figures on this. But he claims that a lot of the hit-and-run accidents out there are the result of – uh, illegal aliens driving, illegal uh, immigrants driving without a license, and they take off because they don't want to be captured because they don't have a driver's license. Yeah, but I mean, uh, or uh, insurance. I, I suppose that's the case, but I mean, and I, look, again, I'm just sort of surmising. This is not a thing I know to be true. But does it seem likely uh, that that the average illegal immigrant is going to, uh, you know, is going to be calling up Geico and getting like a full coverage policy sent to their house? I mean, it just, I, I. I I don't know. Maybe I'm just making crap up, but it just doesn't seem like one of those things that's likely to happen. Well, the counterargument is, and Lou Dobbs has been going off on this every night on CNN, is that you're rewarding somebody who's done something legal, uh, illegal, by giving them a legal document that, that's legitimate. It just doesn't make any. And the only reason I bring it up, because this is in New York, but it was on the front page of our of the Oregonian uh, really? last week, because I do believe, uh, I believe not only our current mayor, but I do believe our governor is actually in favor of this. So it's just, and it's one of those things that just, 
it just run. It's it's like stroking a cat's fur the wrong way. It just seems it go. It, it just it rubs against the grain of my head. It just seems to be so illogical. Counterintuitive, right? Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Well, on the surface, it sort of seems that way. You're, you 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 hear this and you think, why do you want to reward somebody who's maybe overstayed the visa or crossed the border illegally? You know, with with this legal documentation. But then when you listen to the the uh, the proponents of this thing and and you hear what they have to say about it. You know, you, you start to think that, oh, this kind of makes sense, because this is one uh, – another argument is made by, by some law enforcement agencies and some police unions that they want this, because they pull these people over, and they have no documentation sometimes, or they have fake ID. And at least this way, they would, they would have some documentation of uh, these people who otherwise, on paper in the U.S., don't exist. Uh, all right. Well, let's move on to this other thing because that this subject is giving me just a, it's tying a knot in the middle of my brain. Um, I, this is what the CNN prep sheet says today, but the story says: Has this ever happened to you when you visit the Big Apple? First, you get lost in the subway, then you can't figure out what direction you need to walk in when you climb out of the station. You know what's happened to me? I've actually been lost in the New York City subway system from time to time, and then while I'm there. I actually start to get this weird claustrophobic fear that I'm not going to find my way out, and then come midnight, they're going to, like, put those gates up, and I'm going to be locked in down there over a long Labor Day weekend. I have this terrifying phobia of being locked inside a subway station for, like, three days. You know, I, I had that fear when I was in Paris because they actually shut down the metro there at night, and the gates come down. Yeah. Yeah, but they don't – fortunately, here in New York, the, the subway system operates 24-7, so that could never happen. So what, is it, what are they going to be doing with this? So it's really funny, I think, because outside a couple of subway exits, they're putting on the sidewalk a giant decal that sort of looks like a compass, and it tells you what direction north, south, east, and west is when you come out of the subway. But if you don't know which direction your destination is in, right. does that really help you? <laughs> no, 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 of course not. Right. So you can go on walking you know, for blocks in one direction before you realize that you're going in the wrong direction. But it really is a problem. You see people all the time. You know, doing the big 360. Oh no, and I just stand and I and I every time I'm in New York and I get lost on the subway, I look like every idiot hick tourist from Des Moines, because I get out there and what do I do? I start looking up at the sky at all the tall buildings as though that's going to tell me where I'm going in Manhattan, uh, which it does not. So. And then I walk by you and I say, "Excuse me." Yes, sir. <laughs> and then you ram into me holding a hot dog in one hand and a cell phone on the other. Uh, by the way, this email just says, "Rick." How strange is it that an illegal alien can get a driver's license, but I had to show two forms of ID to get a Blockbuster video card. There is something very wrong with this country. All right. Uh, are you on tomorrow, my friend? Uh, yes, I will be. Okay. Well, then tomorrow we will uh, we will speak with you as we begin uh, the weekend. So enjoy the rest of your day and uh, have a great afternoon, sir. I just have one really quick thing for Sarah. Uh, I have two words. Q-tips. No, no, see, Q-tips scare me. The, the thing is, with this lodging of this goo inside of her head, I think the conclusion we came to, and I was just sort of making this up, but I think a doctor might actually support my thesis here, is that with, with Q-tips, I don't mean to be disgusting as we head into the lunch hour, but behold how I just jump right over that hurdle and begin the disgust. The thing with Q-tips is you're supposed to use them in a swirling motion. Right. I hate the word swirling, but I don't really know how else to describe it. It's a rotating motion. But I do believe if you actually read the Q-tip packaging, it does in fact say, like, don't stick this deep into the recesses yes. of your ear yes, canal. Yes, do not insert into ear canal. But what do you really? do? You stick, it in your, you stick it into your ear canal because, and I, and I think I'm speaking for a lot of this here, because it kind of feels good. I yeah, mean, I do it all the time. No, I mean, it's. It, I'm just saying. It, I don't. I don't like sticking things in my ears. It weirds me out. You don't find don't like, like, a, like a deep ear scratching is kind no. of good. 
See, you know, that's, I think, uh, I don't think I'm alone. I think a lot of people find it sort of satisfying to scratch deep inside your ear. I think it's like a weird, I don't know, that's where we share DNA with Cocker Spaniels or something. No, so, I agree with you. When I come out of the shower, you know, I, I want to put the Q-tip in there. That's Definitely. what I'm, So I think that over the course of time, not unlike tamping uh, wadding and, and uh, black powder inside a, a muzzle loader, I think she's been shoving earwax deeper and deeper into her ears until it turns into something approximating that giant boulder at the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> You know what I mean? So I would have loved to have seen a picture of that. Yeah, well, there's yeah. there's always next year. Yes. Or next year. <laughs> All right, thank you, Steve. So long, guys. Bye now. All right, there you go. Let's take a break. Tim Riley, are you preparing news for us? Oh, yes. Fantastic. All right, it's uh, 503-733-2970. When we come back, more of your phone calls. Tim Riley, Double Snuff Watch, Scotty J, Jim Roof, the top five. Oh, me, oh, my. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Here's the sounds. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Coming up uh, later on, CNN Radio Correspondent James Roop. Top five glorious bass of the weekend. More. This is Tim Riley. Time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. We need our special <laughs> microphone off. I know. Darn it all. And I was all ready, too. I'm preparing for hours. We need a special storm sounder, but we haven't put one together yet. Wait, storm as in the, as in the weather or storm as in the singer? Uh, storm is in the weather. Okay, you know what I had just... Uh, you we know used to have one called storm. There it is. There we go. That was going to say, I just had that somewhere. Okay, fantastic. It's the first winter storm. How can it be called winter when it's still fall? Well, anyway, it's reached the coast of Oregon, and it's moving inland. Uh, if you're on the coast, you can expect winds of 75 miles an hour. In the valley, you can expect winds of 50 miles an hour. Things are getting worse. It's going to be terrible all afternoon. Crews have made the round all day to make st- sure that uh, storm drains are clear of debris, especially in expensive neighborhoods. Really? Does it actually say that? No, but it says the West Hills. Oh. <laughs> Thank you for translating. Thank you for uh, cutting through that newspeak on the fly. Uh, the city's asking you to uh, clear out your own storm drains if you don't live in one of the better neighborhoods, because they just don't care. Uh, make sure the catch basins are clear, and piles of rake leaves should be at least 10 feet from the curb. If you can't clean the storm drains on your own, the city will lend you a hand. For assistance, call 823-1700. That's 823-1700. Does it really say that the city is going to clean the West Hills? They already did. Can I see that for a second? Sure. They've been in the West Hills all day. There you go. Well, that's wonderful. Thanks so much. That's great. Okay. I don't think anybody in my neighborhood uh, does any of that. I don't think... I mean, I don't ever... I mean... I've never seen anybody with a rake in my neighborhood. I've never seen anybody with a bag, a broom, a bucket, a bale. A d- d- well, you'll just see bodies floating by. That's all there is. <laughs> I don't even really know where the storm drains are on my street. N- now that I think about they're it. They're where, like, the piles of leaves are on the corners. They don't even <laughs> Maybe they're covered by piles of floating <laughs> debris. Yeah. <laughs> or piles of dead people. I was just going to say, I, I'm not even entirely sure that my street is equipped with storm drains, really, now that I think about it. I think it it's may another just, one of the faces of meth. I think, I think it may actually just roll down to 
towards Gladstone. I'm uh, I'm not even. Well, I'll go. I'll go look into that. Not really. Okay. I just leave the leaves. That was unfortunate. I just let the leaves continue to let lie the there. Be? I let the, let the I leave them alone. It was inevitable. I had to say and get out of the way. Um, no, I just let the leaves just lie there. Uh, and then, you know, by the time, like, April comes around, they're kind of gone. I just sort of let them uh, just degenerate away into the soil. I call it kind of, it's like a natural composting activity. Well, rocks broke loose. Tumbled out of the highway of 9090 near Canby this morning, damaging a car and causing a traffic jam. One car was struck by falling boulders. ODOT was on the scene, working to clear the roadway as fast as possible. And one lady traffic was getting by during the cleanup effort. A la- the Rock Slide is between Canby and Oregon City on Highway 99E. Then, Amtrak's service to Portland from Seattle has been interrupted. They don't know if it has anything to do with the storm. It is a de- derailment. Both sets of tracks near State Lacom. That's south of Tacoma. Like that matters. <laughs> anything in the Tacoma vicinity is sort of losable. And so you know what I mean? Those are when they do that. That uh, when NORAD does that weird first strike map where they show about the, they show the cities that they're going to try to save, and then the cities that they're just going to have to let go, like the other two bases in a missile command game. Some are expendable. Any anywhere near Tacoma, you can just sort of write that off. And better luck next time when God spins the great karmic wheel, my friends. All right, then. We have a double snuff watch today. Here is your double snuff watch for Thursday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Carr, who shared one of Hollywood's most famous kisses and made her mark in such roles as the correct widow in The King and I and the unhappy officer's wife from Here to Eternity, is dead. She was 86. From Here to Infirmity. She had Parkinson's disease and oh. she died in Eastern England. Sorry. That's an alkaline trio name. <laughs> really? From, from Here to, to Infirmity? infirmity. Yes. It's the infirmity. Oh, in France, what I was trying to come up with, infirmary. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. She'll best be remembered for her kiss with Burt Lancaster as waves crashed on them on the Hawaiian beach in the wartime drama From Here to Eternity. Nobody ever kissed me the way you do. Nobody? No, nobody. It's one of the most famous scenes. No, and everybody knows that scene. Even if you have not seen... You can see it on my blog. Well, it's been parodied so many times, too. So I was getting... My generation knows that because of the sequence where Robert Hayes is making out with... um, uh, Julie Haggerty in airplane. He goes, we're coming in from the north below their radar. When will you be back? I can't tell you. It's classified. And then the whole, but the wave washes over them. And uh-huh. now, even in Greece. Let me ask you this, uh, Tim Riley. Was that scandalous at the time? That scene, do you suppose? It kind of pushed the uh, the decency level because he was shirtless. She right. was not. I mean, there was no nudity in that scene. Uh, but it was just Burt Lancaster and his chiseled body, and he was all uh, just wearing uh, shorts or whatever. Right. She played the fu- frustrated woman who pushed the limits of Hollywood in the 1950s. And uh, she had a reputation as a no-problem actress. She was the only daughter of a civil engineer and architect who died when she was 14. How about this, from here to mortality? Oh, that's good. Ah! That's even better. That's okay, everybody. I've, that's, we have, we've created that joke right here on the Rick Emerson radio program. This joke, copyright 2007, Rick Emerson Show. From here, they, come on! Come on yourself. <laughs> All right, I'm just saying. All right. No, here the thing about that uh, that, that from here to eternity scene yes. is that it is very. If you watch it now, it is 
Uh, maybe the sensual is the wrong word. It is kind of phallic in a weird yeah. way, though, because they're doing the yeah. I mean, they're doing the big sexual kiss, and then just the big white foamy uh, wave comes and just uh, and just covers her and everything. And it is it is one of those things that when that I don't know if that's a scene that was intended. Because you think this sometimes when they're filming a scene like that, you wonder if they know at the time, at its inception, if they know that they are filming a trademark scene. Yes. You can see sometimes in a movie when a guy is clearly trying to create a catchphrase or when they are trying. You can tell when they wrote it and they shot it and they directed it and the guy behind the camera is thinking, this is it. This is my Bergman moment. This is the one they will play the Academy Award clip show every year. And some of those uh, scenes that are fantastic, I think, just come about through sheer happenstance. They don't even really recognize how great it is. And I think that might be one of them. It is just such an iconic shot. So she's dead. Yep, at 86. Part two. She's been 86. As a matter of fact, she just turned 86. I'm like sorry. A couple weeks That's ago. what I'm saying. What is it you're trying to get all, like, the one-liners today? I'm just, well, because if I don't say them, they just pile up inside my head. Like, it's all too soon. They, be, they become sort of like the goo inside your left ear, Sarah. They just stack up. I know, but if they were funny, but it's like you're trying to work them out in your head on the air through your mouth. It's... <laughs> like, shouldn't you work them out in your head and then say them? <laughs> kind of a weird sentence. All right, go ahead. Here's uh, Tim Riley with the second half of that. Well, he was most famous as the surviving member of the Rat Pack. Joey Bishop has died at his home in Newport Beach uh, for multiple causes. He was 89. Best remembered as a member of the Rat Pack, of course. He began his career as a burlesque performer. He met Frank Sinatra in 1952. And the pair teamed up for a series of nightclub acts at the Copacabana in New York. He was a frequent guest on a number of TV shows, including What's My Line, The Match Game, The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Eventually, uh, Bishop got his own Joey Bishop show. Now, the original one was an early 1960s sitcom, which uh, got off to a rocky start. Uh, the, the response from both the audience and critics were negative. It was kind of like a, a make group or daddy type show. Oh, it was like it was a scripted program. Yeah, not it, like it a variety a program. No, no, this is 1961. Uh. It came out around the same time as Dick Van Dyke, and they tried to make it like that. It didn't work out for him. So then, uh, as 1960 rolled along. Everybody wanted to go up against Carson. So CBS gave Merv Griffin the late-night talk show on CBS. And ABC gave Joey Bishop their late-night spot. So it uh, he sat behind the desk and uh, bantered with a sidekick who was Regis Philbin. No, he was his really? Man. He was his... And uh, if you want to see a clip of this, it's also on my blog today. And we have a scene from this. Okay, so this is Joey Bishop's, uh, the, the Joey Bishop, like a late night program. Yeah, late night program. Now, when did, did you say this was up against Carson? Yeah. When did Carson start? Carson started in the early '60s, 60, '62. Okay, so this was, so this would have been what year? Uh, this this would have been '68. This, this clip okay. we're gonna play now. All right. And uh, the guest is Sammy Davis Jr. It's his birthday. He and Regis and Joey Bishop are gathered around the table. A birthday cake has been lit. So we have uh, Sammy Davis Jr., Regis, and Joey in the scene your mind because uh, nothing c can prevent it from coming true I hope in your lifetime ladies and gentlemen uh, and this is my wish to all of you that in your lifetime you will find a friend like Sammy Davis with Sammy and Regis we have one other little thing, if you don't mind. I have a little... Ah, gift for you, my Still dear. Still sounds the same. Wait a minute. Don't, yes. don't we eat none of this? I guess. I don't know. Hey, Joe, this is our part. Wait a minute. It's unlucky if you don't make a slice. Yes, make a slice, Joe. Okay, so Joey is slicing the cake. Now, now it's okay
I know. I know you're going to get many, many gifts, you know, tomorrow, today, and so on. It's creepy how Regis has never changed. Oh, he doesn't look the same. Okay. From the guy? Yeah, from the guy. Oh, come on in, Paul. It's all right. Grab your loot. What is this for? Oh, that's really beautiful. Thank you, Paul. Please, I'll thank all of the crew for this lovely, lovely gift. Okay, so it's a profile shot of Joey Bishop and the so there you go. So there's, and the great thing about that shot right there is that Sammy Davis Jr. is, is he's rocking the Nehru jacket, mm -hmm. which is one of those. And that I think the Nehru jacket is that what he's wearing on the cover of of Yes I Can? No, it's one of his records. There was some record that came out in the early '70s, and it's Sammy Davis Jr., one of the most talented, soulful men of his time. And he's got the Nehru jacket, and he's covered in love beads, and he's like caught in mid finger snap, yeah. and it's just like the greatest worst thing you've ever seen. And the Regis film, it doesn't look anything like um, himself there. So you can see that clip on my blog today also. All right. Here's another clip from that show. Now, wait a minute. I want to get his face. You felt the same way about impressions here one night, remember? He said, you want to challenge me to impressions? And I said, yeah. And you, ha, ha, ha. He gave me the laugh of Rudolph Rosendale, remember? <laughs> so while most of the uh, members of the Sinatra entourage treated the great man gingerly, uh, Bishop had no inhibitions. He would tell audiences that the group's leader hadn't ignored him. He spoke to me backstage. He told me to get out of the way. Uh, born in the New York borough of the Bronx, uh, Bishop was the youngest of five children and two immigrants from Eastern Europe. In 1941, he married Sylvia Ruzga and stayed married to her until her death in 1999. He also has a son, and uh, he has spent his retirement years in uh, Newport Bay. So we were wondering the other day if he was still around, and he was at that time. Joey Bishop is not like Ed McMahon. He's one of those guys that about every six weeks we forget whether or not he's still drawing uh, breaths, and then we discuss him, and we find out that he's a bit now. And no, then no his, his late-night show on ABC was replaced by Dick Cavett. God, is Dick Cavett alive? Yes, as a matter of fact, uh, let's see, if you watch uh, Turner Classic Movies, he is introducing his uh, classic interviews from that TV show now. Really? And he, he put them out on DVD, and he yeah. also writes... He wrote a new column today for the New York Times, as a matter of Dick fact. Dick Cavett? Yeah, so go to the New York Times. About what? He writes about people he knew. Today was about when he met Nixon in a restaurant in New York. That was his daughter. But Joey Bishop, so there you go. And it did seem for a while like he was just going to live forever because the other guys in the Rat Pack. Okay, so uh, because uh, let, let's name the Rat Pack members in the order in which they died. Lawford died first, mm -hmm. right? Is there um is there a hum? Do I hear that open channel it's somewhere? It's Tim's computer because right. he's playing sound. Oh, okay, all right. Um, and I'm not going to play any more sound. Okay. <laughs> Ever again. It's not the auto, it's not the, the cardomatic machine. It's it's just, I wanted to make sure that that wasn't in the board somewhere. If it's off to I just want to know where it's coming from. Um, but it's okay. So the Rat Pack members in the order they died. Lawford died first. Mm -hmm. Have I ever given you that Sean? No, I haven't. Cause, sorry. Because no. Matt Peterson still has it. I almost swore there for a second. Because Matt Peterson still has my Sean Levy Rat Pack book. All right. I will get a copy of that, and I'll give that to you. Because well, thank you. you of all people ought to read it. Because don't, I've read a I lot mean, of... I'm the biggest fan. Uh, what's that? I'm the biggest oh, fan. And, and, and the great thing about Rat Pack Confidential is, don't get me wrong, I understand that all of those guys had careers before and careers afterward. Uh, you know, Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra especially, those are probably the big two. Those guys uh, went on to do a whole lot. And, and obviously Sinatra did a lot before the Rat Pack. But it is great to read a book that just I'm not trying to diminish the rest of their lives but it is great to take a book that just focuses in on the part you really care about mm -hmm. and it is uh, it's probably a 300 page book that just examines that like four year period where the Rat Pack really just ruled everything uh, you know, but the, the, the summit meetings and they, they, when they were filming some came running and they, you know, and um, uh, uh, Ocean's Eleven and all that stuff 
right up till about the time that they kind of splintered off and then the Beatles were ascended at that point. And mm. the Rat Pack was, I think, the last, as he puts well, it. Well, it was probably after, after the death of JFK that it started to come apart. To, at a funeral to, uh, they weren't invited to JFK's funeral, and I'm pretty sure that none of them were invited to Marilyn Monroe's funeral either. I think DiMaggio barred them all from, uh, from Marilyn Monroe's funeral because it was known that they were all sticking it to Marilyn Monroe on the side. Um, and so then Lawford died at that time. Law, Lawford, Marilyn Monroe was just sort of like, I mean, she really was kind of like a graphics bong at a frat party, just sort of handed around from one person to another. Banging Marilyn Monroe was sort of like the door prize for knowing Frank Sinatra. Like, if you ever got to sit with him at Patsy's, it's like they would bring you a bottle of Cabernet and a pizza, and Marilyn would go and give you a lap dance in the back room. So, the so Lawford died first, right? Mm-hmm. Lawford died first, then Sinatra, Sinatra, Martin, Martin, and then... Joey Bishop. Am I leaving somebody out? Sammy Davis. Sammy Davis Jr. He died in there somewhere. I think he died before Dean Martin. Yeah, I think he did. All right. Well, in any event. And, and unofficially, Don Rickles is kind of a quasi-member. Not like, I mean, he played Vegas at that time. Don, he's the Jilly Rizzo yeah. of, uh, of the East Coast. So there's that. If you, and I will bring, I'll find and I will bring you Rat Pack Confidential by Sean Levy, which you really need to read. Um, have you also seen the made-for-HBO uh, movie, The Rat Pack? No, I have not. Oh, oh, I got that. I'll bring you that as well. Why, um, thank you. It's that, I do have that at home, and I didn't lend it to Matt Peterson, so I still own it. Mm-hmm. The great thing about the Rat Pack, it is a, um, I don't say docudrama, but it is one of those, HBO makes fantastic movies about what I call recent history, like when they did Barbarians at the Gate and The Late Shift. I like that. Yeah. They're doing a, um, they're doing a made-for-HBO film about that Duke Lacrosse rape case, but they did one called The Rat Pack, and it's Ray Liotta as Frank Sinatra. He does a fantastic job. Uh, Don Cheadle is Sammy Davis Jr. Joe Montaigne is Dean Martin, oh. and um, God, who is this? Is my my uh, the, the, my comedic thing coming again? The comedian who plays Joey Bishop is oh damn, and he was just unlike us last week. Sarah, do you know that guy? He's coming. They call him the Pitbull of comedy. I can't remember his name for the life of me. Pitbull of comedy. They call, that's his nickname. It's whatever. It's his nickname. They call him the Pitbull of comedy. I don't know why. He's he's Bobby Slayton. Bobby Slayton plays Joey Bishop. Anyway, it's a fantastic film. And again, it just covers the stuff uh, that you want. It just is solely about the Vegas era of the Rat Pack. And uh, it's just, it really is amazing. So I'll bring that in so you can watch it. I've seen it probably 50 times. I mean, it's one of those movies you can just throw in at any, at any time. doesn't matter when. You can watch it halfway through. You can start at the beginning. It's a great film. Uh, let's get a couple of... Uh, oh, wait, is that the end of the Snuff Watch? Yes, it is. So there you go. There's your double Snuff Watch uh, Thursday on the Rick Emerson Show. And I know that it's unfair to pile on poor Peter Lawford, who was just saddled with the most unrealistic expectations. And the Peter Lawford, who had the best and worst life on earth, yes, um, because you know I mean, he was he was blessed with a certain amount of fame and fortune and celebrity, and then he was married to uh, uh, to um, Patricia. Am I got this right? Is it Patricia right. Kennedy? Right. He was married to, but the man Frank Sinatra just he, well, he was kind of the Scotty J of the Rat Pack. <laughs> That's exactly true. You totally nailed it. It wasn't that he was a member. He was just sort of tagging along. Um, but he was Peter Lawford, of course, who was an in-law of the Kennedys. And man, but over the course of this movie, you just see Sinatra grind him underneath his heel like an old cigarette. And there's that great sequence where Bing Crosby announces that he's going to be um, 
hosting JFK's visit. So there's, and I'm not giving anything away because it's ancient history, but there's this whole sequence in the Rat Pack where Sinatra is under the impression that JFK is coming to stay at his house when he comes yeah. when he comes to California. So Sinatra is having this whole wing constructed, not remodeled, not modified, not altered, not redecorated. Sinatra is having, and this is a true story, Sinatra is having an entire wing added to his house at a cost of, I don't know, like $3 million or something. He is having his house doubled in size. And then Peter Lawford has to show up with that whole... So, Frank, uh, Jack uh, can't stay with you. He's going to be staying at Bing's house. <laughs> and Bing Crosby, who's a Republican, and Sinatra just goes mental, just goes mental and just, just pummels him and kicks him off the property. And it's just... And uh, the other great thing about the Rat Pack movie, is the last thing I'll say about it, the great thing about the Rat Pack movie is um, that it also has a fantastic portrayal of Joe Kennedy, who just comes off as Joe Kennedy, who looks like that guy in Poltergeist 2, just that evil guy who looks like a skull with beady little eyes, and just let me in, that guy, just comes off as the most terrifying person uh, on Earth. So I will bring the Rat Pack movie for you to watch. It's fantastic. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick, uh, Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's got up? a title for a movie. Yes. Uh, it's on the dangers of uh, teenage uh, drinking and sex. Okay. From beer to maternity. This is, so now we're working this backward. Usually we have the concept of the thing and I just don't have a title for it. You're just giving me a title and then we have to come up with what we're going to name. You know, what we're going to no, name. No, no, no. I got the, uh, I had the premise. From beer to maternity. Yeah. Okay. Or paternity. <laughs> Sorry. From beer to paternity. All right, I've made a note of it, sir. We'll, I'll put that on the hopper, and when I don't have it. Hey, anything... you can copyright that if you want to, Rick. Thank it's you, on me. On the house, dude. No, no damn it. This joke, copyright Thank 2007. You. Rick Emerson Show. Uh, hi, uh, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. Hey, Rick. Is this me? <laughs> hey, you know, uh, didn't Don... <laughs> don't this do is that. This is, this is Randy in Minnesota. Didn't Don Cheadle also uh, do a Sam Davis Jr.'s part in the Ocean's Eleven remake? That's the... This is one of those things where if I answer this incorrectly, it's really the, it's really going to sound as though I can't differentiate among black actors. I should, say, black <laughs> I should say, well, by way of explanation, I have not seen any of the Ocean's Eleven remix. Oh, you uh, I have not seen, list. yeah, I haven't seen any. The Ocean's Eleven with Clooney is sitting in my house, and I've never watched it. That was a great film. Uh, also, also, uh, Peter Lawford, you remember Angel's Revenge on Mystery Science Theater? Oh, yeah, yeah. Where he apparently just shot all his scenes in an afternoon by the pool. Yeah, out of his there's mind. this there's this terrible movie that Mystery Science Theater, uh, you know, they, you know, they, you know they, they got the Mystery Science Theater treatment a few years ago. And the great thing is, it says in the credits in huge letters, it says with Peter Lawford, and there is one scene with Peter Lawford that lasts about 90 seconds. A drunk as you can possibly imagine, clearly reading his lines off what must have been a massive cue card just off, just off stage. And, I mean, right next to the camera. And, I mean, just he looks like Jerry Lewis. I mean, he's just all puffy in a bad bathrobe. I mean, it, it really is like Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park type stuff. Yeah. Uh, last thing, Rick. Yeah. Uh, of course, uh, tomorrow's Scotty J's last day, right? Yes. Uh, yes, it is. Okay. Preface this. Rick, Where the World was written and recorded in one night. You know where I'm going with this? No. Someone, someone in your audience has 24 hours to come up with the Scotty J Memorial Anthem. Now I could do it myself, but I, I don't have. I was trying to find a karaoke copy of uh, "The King Is Gone" and I can't find one. But uh, really, someone, if someone could do it, 
I can't do it. I don't have time. I have to work. Well, we've already done. I mean, we've done a Britney memorial song. I think we may be going back to the well one too many times if we try to revisit that for Scotty, who, by the way, isn't dying. He's just going to be working elsewhere. I just thought thought we'd just throw that out there. I mean, unless he plans on taking his life tomorrow night and we're not privy to it. I uh... the, the, the love would come back to someone creative with a lot of time on their hands could come up with something for nice for Scotty tomorrow. All right. Well, it's out there. We'll do we'll it, see. but I'm not that much of a nice guy. All right. Thank you. We'll see if anybody takes us up. And Okay, there you go. Uh, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Meanwhile, the House has failed to override the president's veto of a popular children's health program. Now the children must go without insurance and possibly die. On this vote, the yeas are 273, the nays are 156. Two-thirds not being in the affirmative, the bill is not passed. Sorry, kids. <laughs> he cares more about Iraqi children. <laughs> We'd love to treat your scabies, but it's just not in the cards. Uh, hello, sir, madam, as the case may be. Uh, it's sir, as the case may be. How are you, Rick? Why, it's it's our good friend Matt Peterson. Why, hello, sir. That voice. How are you, my friend? I'm, uh, I'm doing very well. Hey, so, I, I've heard you in the past mention that I still have this book of yours. Yeah, the Rat Pack Confidential by Sean Levy. Correct. It was a phenomenal book. You did, you did lend it to me. I read the book, and I actually gave it back to you oh. one night playing poker oh. at Kyle Jago's. No, now, see... I did. You... I can tell you the night that I did it, because you busted me out of the tournament. I had an A-side flush, and you hit a straight flush. Oh, and snapped me out of the tournament, and I gave you back your book that night before I left. Okay, well, was that the night... Was that the, the, the poker game at Kyle's house where there was the listener whose wife had bought his way into our kind of private poker game by donating the money to children somewhere? Uh, I do believe, yeah, Kyle's big porn-style house up on the hill. Totally. Okay. I mean, see, now I don't even know. But see, because you, if you gave me the book back, then I don't know where it is. Now I'm going to have to go buy a copy because I've already, I've already promised him that I'm going to give him a copy, and so I can't, I can't shirk my duties. Now I have to go to Powell's and buy a copy of the book. Well, well I, 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 like I said, I, I gave it back to you, but I will offer, I will buy you another copy of it if that will satisfy you that I that I didn't give it back. I'll see. This I'll, sounds, I'll buy a copy to replace it. Now this sounds like a passive uh, admission of guilt is what it sounds like it's, now. It's not an admission of guilt. I gave it to you that night. I'm 100% sure that I did. I think Tim is unconvinced as well. <laughs> Okay. Um, well, all right, I'll drop you an email. I'll go search my. I'll search my home that I know. See if I can dig it up. If not, we'll we'll talk. But I thank you for the offer, my friend. No problem. All right, ladies and gentlemen, F. Matt Peterson, former executive producer of the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you, Matt. All right, there you go. So that's that. At least for now. <laughs> Let's take a break, and we'll come back after this. More with Jim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Jim Roop coming up later on. Glorious Bastard of the Week at the top five. And uh, High Concept Thursday. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. What a colossally stupid idea that might be. I think that's genius. No, I mean, it's great, but I mean, okay. Hi, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, seeing on radio correspondent James Roof, glorious bastard of the week, the top five, and the more of your uh, radio uh, uh, interaction here via... Okay. I'm sorry, I'm just distracted by this thing. Rick, did you get the suit? Did you get the baby in a suitcase that I sent you? I don't really know if that's code for something. That's creepy. Did I inadvertently order some drugs from somebody? Are we expecting them We today? should contact Dave Zinn and see what he has up there. And Homeland Security. Dave, is there a baby in a suitcase? Could you please keep it until the end of the program? Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. So I 
spending the uh, again. <laughs> now, now my hearing is going. <laughs> yeah, but you've got perfect vision. I know, I do have it's perfect vision. It's too bad vision. you can't use it to see the on button on your microphone. No. I'll have to look to my right. <laughs> well, I've been striving to find some uh, Peter Lawford cuts and have come across this one. This is Sammy Davis Jr. and Peter Lawford starring in this 1971 follow up to Salt and Pepper. It oh, says God, here, really? The Rat Pack guys are back in trouble again with this caper film directed by Jerry Lewis. It's got all the earmarks of quality. Yeah, real monsters, my lord, in your cellar. Real monsters. I've seen them all in the movies. You've got Frankenstein. Ah. And Frankenstein's monster. You've got Igor. Ah. And on the table is this beautiful chick, long blonde hair, going, Hey, sweet cake, how are you? And you also got the vampire. Why don't you join our little Yeah! <laughs> you gonna shout it? Oh, no. Wow. It was a simpler time. <laughs> Hi there. My name is Sammy Davis Jr. From a wheel. you And you're Peter Wofford again. Yes, I know all that. Well, do I should be on speed to enjoy this? Sammy Davis Jr. and Peter Wofford. Never before were they together again. Never again. For the second time. What? What? Salt and pepper, that's the name. Okay, that's good because So Peter Lopper gets two lines in this whole movie. That's as good He's as He's standing can. there looking at Sammy Davis Jr. while he does stick and sing. <laughs> it's not my fault that he's a JFK stated pings. I wonder, I wonder if when Bader Lawford was on the sets of movies, people would occasionally just find him huddled over weeping in a corner somewhere, just cutting himself and muttering JFK out loud. Oh, all right, fantastic. That's wonderful. So there you go. Salt and Pepper, starring Sammy Davis Jr. and Peter Lawford and directed by Jerry Lewis. How could it possibly go wrong? Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Okay. It is telling, by the way, that I have never, ever, ever heard of that film until just now. So I can go out and rent it tonight. <laughs> yeah, I'll be sure to do that. I'm sure they've got multiple copies of it at Blockbuster. They might have that at a place like Movie Madness, actually. Oh, that is true. Uh, you know, we need one of those over on the west side. A Movie Madness? Yeah. No. No, we I don't, don't think so. good over <laughs> We do have a Trader Joe's now. Okay. Where I met a listener the other night. Now, I understand you can go to McDonald's and get a movie for like 14 cents or something. I heard so. that, but I wouldn't go to McDonald's. No. Um, at Trader Joe's, really? Yeah, I saw a listener at Trader Joe's. I had my sunglasses on, too. You had your? Did you? You didn't have your like your Harry Potter invisibility cloak. No. You didn't have your? You weren't wearing your button that said "Please don't talk to me." Uh. All right. Well, did he approach you? Did he come to you? Are you that guy? No. Is it Tim Riley? How are you? And I fine, thank you. And I continue with my shopping. <laughs> and he coldly pushed the cart right on by him to the snap peas aisle. Uh, okay. All right. I was buying uh, Trader Joe's potato medley. You know they have the. Uh, well, you know it's funny because right here. I am holding in my hands, I'm assuming from Trader Joe's, uh, yes, Pirates, Pirate's yeah. Booty with Caramel. That was recalled not too long ago. No, I got it at Safeway. But it was recalled? Yeah. Thanks, another, some, thanks a, for so much for handing this to another me. Another different kind of Pirate's Booty. All right. But not that flavor. So this is a good liquid on my insides or everything. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Uh, here's Tim Riley.
Anybody ever hear presidential candidate Sam Brownback? Okay, here's the weird thing about he's the guy from Nevada, is he not? Yeah. Okay. Can I just tell you? And I don't have the link, so so don't. Where's it? Kansas. If people, Pika. If if people call up and ask me about this, I don't have the link. You can probably find it somewhere. Where's it in Kansas. There was this link that was going all around the internet uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was put together by some university. And this is the weirdest thing. So you can make of this what you will. But it was a like a two-page uh, questionnaire that you filled out, rating various uh, social fiscal issues, your stance on them, and then in turn how important that was to you when picking your presidential candidate. Mm -hmm. So it would it would list something like, uh, you know, the Iraq War or uh, health care or balancing the budget, and you would pick on a scale of one to five uh, how important that issue was to you. And then you would tell, then you would say, like, what your opinion on it was. Mm -hmm. So it would say something like capital punishment. Are you in favor all the time, opposed all the time, or in favor in some cases? And you'd select, you know, how, what you thought. And then it would say, when picking a candidate, how important is this issue to you? And it went through five. And you'd say, like, whatever, four for, like, you know, pretty important. Mm -hmm. So you did, like, two pages of that. And at the end, it picked your presidential candidate. And you know what? That is the guy that they said I ought to be voting for. And so now, now I can. Now he's dropped out. He's dropped out of the no, race. He's taken away what apparently is my ideal choice. I don't even know anything about him except that apparently some algorithm decided that he's the man for me. He's the man for anybody who values the sanctity of the individual. Well, those in the know say his campaign was not able to gain any momentum. Well, because I was apparently behind him. Senator Brownback's campaign just really never got a foothold in Iowa or really anywhere across the country. So the, so the huge thriving support that was me... Uh, and I didn't even know that I was supporting him all this time. Apparently, that's... Uh... Yeah, he's kind of like that guy from Utah, but without money. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I'm sorry. Well, now I have to retake the quiz and find out. And he's a Republican, by the way. Yeah. So, it was it was really odd to, to, to learn that I was being directed to vote for a Republican based upon my answers. It was a little disconcerting, actually. And it sort of caused me to... I, I had a little dark tea time of the soul there, where I just kind of looked at myself in a mirror and wondered what had become of my life. Kind of like when we found out that Scotty J went to get a medical procedure done in Canada. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that out loud? Yes. Okay. Let's, uh, do we have, uh, do I have the Scotty J sound? One big fiesta for illegal aliens. Well, that'll, that'll have to do. Scotty J, will you join us in the studio, please? I don't, I don't know where the Scotty J sounder went. Somebody is, uh, somebody's removed oh, yeah. that. You have one day left to find it. No, somebody has taken it out of the folder. It's, uh, okay. Here's the thing. Rather, this is Scotty for you. This is what is good and bad about Scotty. Rather than coming to the studio, he's just spending time sitting in there typing on the screen. No, the sounder's in there. Find it. <laughs> uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, uh, Scotty J, our intrepid PA, serving out the remainder of his final week on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Why, good morning, Kirk. And okay. yes, that place does exist. Hi, how are you? Doing We're great. not challenging you, Scotty. All right. So you're uh, heading into your final day and a half on the Rick Emerson program. Oh, I checked out last week. <laughs> I, thank you so much. I appreciate the honesty. Uh, thank you for your forthrightness in this matter. All right. So Tim Riley told me something that I could not believe, Scotty J, and that is that you, uh, with your constant support of all things America and your constant lamenting about how we should not be emulating the healthcare systems in other countries, you actually went to Canada... To get a medical procedure done. Please now to explain the medical procedure. Well, first of all, I got my eyes corrected with the laser LASIK uh, surgery, right? Thing. And the reason, thing. And the Healing reason why, Bob. this happened about eight years ago, and uh, it was like $10,000, which I didn't have here 
in the United States. Why so, didn't you just Why didn't you just contact your health care provider? Because they do not pay for LASIK. Period. Well, that's hard to believe. But you and pay... they do not pay for LASIK in Canada either. You got to pay for it out of your own pocket. But I'm, it's it's hard to believe that they wouldn't pay for it here, Scotty, because you've you've picked them. No, I mean you it's can't... the free market. I would think that the free market would have made it, it made sure that it was covered. True. Some insurance companies won't even give you contacts, so because they say it's for vanity. <laughs> they so. just tell you to squint. Yeah. They just. What do I need to do? Well, uh, you got to buy gla- though. You can get glasses with your. They, I mean, a lot they of the... send you those Groucho Marx glasses in the mail. Yep. A lot of the eye care programs that are offered by the insurance companies are just weak so can you read this and it's just f u <laughs> it's just a two-letter eye chart uh so okay so you went to canada to have a med- this medical procedure done yeah basically yeah, and it cost a lot less yeah it was a thousand versus ten thousand you know and i can i can almost see out of my left eye it's almost strange that you didn't volunteer this information over the past few weeks when we were talking about american american health care that you actually went to another country well, I know how this looks. I mean, it. Is it really? Uh, you might it know how like it looks. You saved nine thousand dollars, Yeah, it that's looks like I did. That's the American way, it, right? It, it save looks, money. It looks like you were acknowledging that the Canadian healthcare system was at least Far in this superior. instance superior to ours. Well, like I said, I can. It was. Did you get quality care? Well, like I said, I can almost see out of my life. I'm just saying. Are you better with the, with the surgery? Did you have to return to Canada? Yeah. Did you have to get it fixed? Did it work? Is your vision better than it was? Yes. Okay. And here's what you do. Was it one-tenth of what it would have fi- cost here? You find a doctor here, and you got to pay him separate, and uh-huh. then he sends you over to across the border. But I'm saying, what was the grand total of what you paid for this? And you got to go across the border at, like, midnight, too. That sounds like a And you got to run, and you can't be in a car. What, how much did you pay total? A thousand, I think. You paid so like it was eight years ago. So the, and again, I'm simply this is just now. A, let me just say, hold on. This is just a recitation of the facts as you have given them. To have the procedure done in Canada whose healthcare system you are constantly saying we should not emulate socialism to have the procedure done which you did cost one tenth of what it would have cost here and was successful. Well, I gotta tell you a couple <laughs> things there. <laughs> what Rick? do you have to oh, what you possibly have to tell me? Insurance didn't cover it, so what are you going to do? It's like people that get drugs from uh, Mexico because they can't afford them to pay full price here. I mean, we all do what we got to do financially, right? Otherwise, the thing is, eight years ago, it was uh-huh. a new procedure, and Canada was ahead of us in... Well, that's impossible, Scott. They were ahead of us in their knowledge. Their health care system is inferior. Working on the eyeball. They were they were good at it. So, uh, I, I mean, I got decent... So really, every say. time you use your eyes, every time you read, you have Canada. The I sing whatever oh, it is Canada, you read. Oh Canada, every, to myself. Every, every time, time you look. casually glance at the title of a book at the at the store before deciding not to pick it up and take it home, every time you read the label on a McDonald's uh, item, every time every time you go through and you read the description of a plate of nachos at Applebee's, Scotty. Every time you pass that sign that says, now entering the suburbs, you have the Canadian medical system to thank for that. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, this is great. Why? Did you deliberately not share this information with us when we were no, discussing? No, but you know what? We buy things from China. We buy lead paint. We buy <laughs> all kinds of stuff from all over the world. That's true. the American way. So it's like, why? why what does this have to so do with So the American our, way. It doesn't have to do with our health system. The American. Oh, hold on. You know what I, you know, Sarah, what I was completely forgetting to do I here? I know. I'm sorry. That's totally. I'm sorry to be interrupting your news hour with this, Tim. I just couldn't. So the American way is to go and use Canadian health care? The American way is Did you really just say that? (laughs) I'm going to miss you. I really, if I was the hugging type, I'd be giving you a big bear embrace right now. Here in America, we go all over the world to, you know, get the fun. To get our health care. Stuff. 
you know, on the market. The Whether finest be, stuff. Yeah. So, so the Whether finest be, healthcare in yeah. this case was found in Canada. I mean, half the half the cups and plastic things that we look at it says made in China. So what's the difference of getting my eyes done in China or here? It has nothing to do with our healthcare system as a whole. <laughs> It doesn't. You realize that doesn't make any sense. You're right. It, it makes completely illogical. Sense. Even by you, you really have just become... Okay, listen. Like, you, I think you feel like if you like enunciate and say things really directly, <laughs> that it makes more sense. If I it say it no louder, sense. perhaps you'll understand. I'm if a I stress certain syllables in my speech, it becomes more compelling, even though what I am saying has no internal logic or consistency. And I shall hold my thumb down on my hand as I talk and point it at you. Jesus. Okay. Now, just to make did a voice just say I'm Amanda and I'm 12 years old? All right, she has something to say. Making sure that I'm not, uh, I'm not just fabricating that in my head. Let's. Uh, why? Hello, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hi, um, I'm not a lawyer or anything, but uh, from the description that, that Scotty was giving about how he paid somebody on this side of the border a thousand bucks, and, and I mean, I know he didn't make a run for the border, but the fact that he paid somebody on this side, I'm pretty sure Scotty's an international felon. Now, I mean, that's, that raises a good question, actually. Is it legal for you to pay someone here to hook you up with a, a doctor in Canada well, for you to then use their health care system when you are not a citizen? Right, because it sounds like the thousand was just a kickback, and that the actual surgery procedure itself was paid for by the oh. Canadian taxpayers. Interpol's going to come a calling. That, that's absolutely right, and I don't know what the statute of limitations for international insurance. When was this done, Scotty? What year? Eight years ago. Eight years ago. I'm saying that probably there's at least a decade that they can nail you for that. Twelve to fifteen, I'm going to say. All right. So. If, uh, so if a lawyer is out there, if somebody who is uh, familiar with perhaps international uh, law and uh, the, the medical, uh, the people that kick back the doctor over here. Are so Canada. you just use the word kickback. Well, I want to explain what this guy's talking about here. Cause, okay. uh, well, like, I guess you can find the answer to any Michael Moore movie. The way he said it, it sounds awful fraudulent. And I do not. Please, uh, please dispel fraudulent. F-R-A-U-D... You no. I'm going to miss these little conversations. All right. So please now to explain exactly how this happened. You went to who in America? You have to visit a doctor here in America in order to even get a... It's like being referred to a specialist. They know the specialist in Canada. I don't know. I don't just get the Canadian phone book and go, Did you pay the doctor in eye surgery? Did you pay the doctor in cash? We paid over there in in cash. Uh, was this in an alleyway? <laughs> I think it was like, you know... Was his name Dr. Nick? Do you have some crazy a doctor in Canada cut open something. your eyes? I know, it was scary. Hi, every Scotty! It was scary and it was painful, too, at the time. Okay, but... Okay, no, really, honestly. Uh, okay, I hate to just get bogged down on this, but we have to understand this right now. We have limited time left with you on this program, Scotty. So, you went to a doctor here in America. Who hooked me up. No, no, no. But just let me ask the questions. <laughs> Don't volunteer more than you're asked. That way it just lies a morass of conversational quagmire we'll never get out of. You went to what? a doctor here. You called the doctor. Yes. A doctor. I mean, how did you find him? Did you look him up in the phone book? Uh, you know, it's been eight years, and I don't even remember oh, how Oh, somebody's preparing his defense already. Somebody is already getting ready to create plausible I deniability. Find, I could find an old card. Okay. Maybe. But did you... But, I mean, how did you find him? I I don't remember. I mean, I'm not playing I stupid no, here. I have no recollection I of that event. I think somehow we just got, maybe I went to my regular eye doctor, and he said, you need to go talk to this eye doctor if you want to do surgery. Is this sort of like when you need medical marijuana, but they won't give you the card, and he says, no, look, you need to go talk to this other doctor in Oakland. Um, <laughs> he's very discreet. And uh, if you can uh, come up with, like, a wheezing cough, 
between now and then. That would really help you out here. All right. So you went to a doctor here in America. You yes. said, I got this bad vision. He's, oh, and it was real bad. And you real wanted, bad. You it wanted LASIK. Like blind is a bad, bad. You wanted LASIK. And yes. he said, it's $10,000. And I said, <laughs> you said, I can't pay that. Whose I, whose idea was it to go to Canada to get your operation done? See, that, that my memory is so fuzzy uh-huh. on this because I've drank away a lot of cells over the years. But what I can remember is I think I went to my regular eye doctor, and he's like, well, if you, in fact, my regular eye doctor hadn't even been certified at the time. He is now. <laughs> he wasn't a doctor no, then. No, 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 certified to do LASIK. It was that new of a procedure, and uh-huh. Canada was like did, he did six, have, seven, eight years ahead Was there of at least something hanging ago. on the wall behind his desk? I mean, it wasn't just... So they were several years ahead of us. It was kind of like my Tom Likas, uh, you graduated thing, but it didn't have a name <laughs> next to it uh, as to who graduated. It was just like a bad mimeograph of something. <laughs> it said doctor, and then doctor it, there was a line. Was he, wearing, was he wearing a decoder ring? So the doctor said, why don't you go to Canada? He says, why don't you get the hell out of our country and go get your eyes done somewhere? Did you pay this doctor in America something? No. You didn't pay the doctor no, in America anything. I do anything. not believe so. I do not believe so. Other than the... A okay, consultation the, fee? Yeah, something uh-huh. like that. Yeah, okay. And so then he gave you the name of a doctor in Canada? That they work... They're part of the same business ticket. They work... You it know, sounds like no. you're making the story up on there, the fly. You are really... Yes, exactly. You are and putting you're not down, really doing it very well. You're like a tank tread. You okay, are putting down this each way. I don't of, care. It's like getting, you know, Advil by the, by the pound from Mexico. I really didn't care at the time because... Yeah. Well, I'm not going to say drugs. So, okay, you were Democrat. Getting the, the Did they give you drugs? Well, they had to have drugs, right? Listen, listen, Scotty. Okay. Go. Did they give you drugs in Canada? No. They didn't give you any drugs after they cut no. your eyes up. No, and it was. <laughs> I could cut open your eyes and they didn't give you, you any drugs. See the, I, you could see them cutting your flat back and peeling it, and you got to look at it, and they put like this wine bottle corkscrew thing in your eye and just crank it open. Did they play a lot of. Did they play a lot of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony while this was happening? No, but I heard it, the room was really dark, and I, I heard a lot of laughter. All right. You, <laughs> okay. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Yeah, hey, Rick. I'm just curious if Scotty uh, used his real name and real ID when he had this procedure done. Did, did, did you give them all your real identification, Scotty? Yes, I, I said my first name was Rick. Okay, you're doing that thing again. <laughs> Don't be sporboarding the last couple of days on the air. We're trying to figure out if you've committed a crime here. All right, so you, thank you, sir. I'm trying to figure out if you can be put in prison for this. Scotty J really is going away. So Way away. You can't talk about yourself in the third person. Please don't ever do that again. So you went to Canada, and the doctor in America sent you to a specific doctor in Canada. Yes. Okay. You go to the doctor. He does the procedure. How did you pay that doctor? It was either uh, American Express or Traveler's Checks. I don't remember. You didn't pay him with a regular check? I don't remember just giving him a wad of green cash out of an ATM machine. It was $1,000. Yeah, and that was a great deal. Did you make the I check? I 10000 bucks over here. Did you make the check out to a doctor or to his hospital? I don't think we wrote hospital? a check. I'm serious. So it must have been less than 1000 bucks American because at that time, the exchange exactly. rate would have favored the American dollar. So let me understand this. No, no, no. It was like 1000 American, so that means it's uh, 1100 over there type of thing. Probably see? even more. Yeah. Probably 1500 Yeah, see? So you got... 
Let me understand this. You, you got, got a favorable experience. You got a delicate medical procedure that was like upwards of ten grand here, done for about seven hundred and fifty dollars American yeah, in and Canada. I had it at, had the experience of. Was doing, it in his garage? No, he he had the experience of doing at least five patients before me, so I felt good. Are about you kidding that. me? He had done five. I think he's trying to be funny. I I mean I can't really tell though because if this was eight years ago, this was in the early days. Of that procedure, right, and it was expensive here in America. And you know what? Back in you know, what with all those pesky safeguards, eight years ago, I was probably flipping burgers somewhere. So, imagine all the burger flippers today. (laughs) Maybe you'll be one of them after leaving your glamorous radio. I have. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Well, hello there. Hi. Um, You know the uh, the 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 reason the Canada got all of that early is because they don't have pesky things like uh, the FDA and stuff. You know, slowing down it and all that. I'm just curious as to whether Scotty broke a law. By having a doctor here refer him to a Canadian doctor to do this surgery on him. No, because I, I remember I had I had LASIK done just uh, earlier this year, but um, I do remember looking into it about five years ago, and uh, there used to be advertisements from uh, you know come up to Canada have it done. You know it was uh, you know twelve hundred dollars an eye or some kind of a number like that. So it um, is actually so it's a thing that is legal. Yeah, yeah, they uh, like I say, they would advertise, and they actually would have clinics in like Vancouver. You'd go up there to have the uh, the surgery, then you'd have your checkups, uh, you know, your your, your three month checkup down This here. is like how my brother had his root canal done in Mexico City a couple years ago. I just, from, going, I just, to, going to foreign countries is a wonderful way to experience the culture and have parts cut out of your body. All right, thank you. I remember it feeling like uh, you know if you go swimming in a pool that's highly chlorinated and your eyes are wide open, and then you get out of the pool and someone just kicks sand in your eyes. That's kind of how it felt for about a week. That's great. <laughs> well, at least you paid for it. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hi. I just I had the same thing done in Canada when they first came out with it, and I worked for an airline, so I could fly up there all the time. So you were already legally allowed to go in there and do it. You're not a felon like Scotty. Well, he wasn't either, because they were all advertising with clinics down here just to do the pre-op and the post-op stuff. I just did what the ad said. Yeah. I just and did what great. the ad said. Right. I can see. Excellent. All right. Thank you. Okay. Bye. All right. So there you go. Well, there there are several articles of American price gouging on LASIK surgery online. I'm reading here. Right. The Americans were gouging me. No, no, they're still in my own backyard. No, I just I just cannot believe that you have sat here in this studio lamenting the state of the healthcare system in places like Canada when you yourself went there to get a procedure done. Hey, we're talking about, you know, health insurance, and we're talking about uh, their socialistic way. Now, I'm not saying that... socialistic way, which you took advantage of. I'm not saying that their (laughs) doctors are the best, because I I have a feeling that, you know, doctors here that were charging $10,000 or whatever have been to the best schools, and they're highly trained. Now, up there... In Canada, they just go to straw huts where a guy waves a wand at them. So so you believe that something's more expensive than people have had better schooling. Of course. Of course he does. No, no, no. Here's what I believe. I believe that, house. that when, the, when the government is behind health care, uh-huh. then you wait in line longer for a doctor. How long the do doctors wait? don't care to see you as much anymore. How long did you wait in line? Because everybody is a number at that point. How, how long did you wait in line? Personally up there? Yeah. I made an appointment. <laughs> and you walked right in. And you're yes. not even a Canadian. Okay. <laughs> you don't even. You're not even a resident of their country, and you walked right it in. It took like three weeks to a month to get in. You walked. You know what? It so takes, there you it, go. You know what? Uh, I have private health care, and it takes me a month to find a shrink here. So, well, how much do you pay for health care? Uh, you know what? I, the more you pay, the quicker you get in. I'll tell you this: you still paid like a tenth of what you would have paid here. All right, that's insane. All right, thank you, All Scotty. Right, thanks. I cannot believe he had never told us that before. 
Of course he didn't tell Did us Did he that. just volunteer that information to you today, Tim? Yes, we were talking about it in the hallway. <laughs> and he said, by the way, did I ever tell you I went to Canada and got all my health care done there? Oh, man. Well, see, you guys never sit with us when we have our discussions. No, it's, I, that's, not that's, that you're not, that's not an accident, by the way. There's, that's, that is by design. I have nothing to contribute to a real estate conversation. I didn't yeah, know that. Here's another one. I live in Atlanta. My eye doctor said LASIK is very cheap in Canada, and lots of Americans are going to Canada to get the surgery. Could you recommend someone? <laughs> All right. I checked out some Internet sites. How about LASIK Canada? They sound too good to be true. No, they're not. Uh, let's see here. Yeah. So there are... Hi, doctors you know, in we America. Live, if we lived closer to Canada, Scotty might not be leaving the program. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, I was in Canada over Labor Day weekend, and, uh, yeah, the Americans are the laughing stock up there. They, they, <laughs> there, was a, there was a caricature artist Excellent. sitting there offering free pictures of Michael Moore to people who could tell horror stories about their HMO or had receipts. There was a guy juggling knives. He asked if everybody was in the front row was Canadian. He said, good, because you guys have health insurance. Fantastic. Excellent. I mean, statistically, more people, more Americans cross the border to get cheap medication than Canadians come across to do anything. Canadians are very happy with their system. They used to do that to get cars, too, and, and after a while you were prohibited from buying a car in Canada. Scotty's going to be an honorary Canadian for the next day and a half. On Uh-oh. I guess we have uh, streets shut down. The Max Tracks near Lloyd Center closed. Now, is this, is this because of the, the top-off thing? I, I believe this is due to the rain. Uh, all right. By the way, Scotty has typed on the screen that the health care system in Canada is in peril. Peril, in this case, was spelled P-A-R-E-Y-L. Mm-hmm. P-A-Y-E-R-L, some kind of dinosaur. Oh. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 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 How are you? I'm Dandy. Good. Good. Uh, this this story that's coming from Scotty about the Canadian medical system is a big sham. Really? That's hard to believe. Yeah. Uh, I went up there and had the same procedure done. I did not have any referral from a local doctor. I just found them on the Internet. And they were years and leaps and bounds ahead of the U.S. And with the procedure... And mine went fine. My eyes didn't hurt the next day or anything. Scotty, Scotty has called in to say, notice that all these callers are libs. <laughs> yeah. I, live in, I live in Portland. How could that be anything else? Right. Thank you, sir. There you go. All right. Uh, it's 503-733-2970 here at the Casey of the Portland. If you would like to join us on the Rick Emerson Show, we'll just roll on with this, and then we'll break here in a while. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Uh, I'm going to do it again. How are your eyes working out over there? <laughs> No, they're working fine. You should have gotten your contact lenses in Canada. Uh, this is for Scotty. All right. Listen to this. Oh, I'm sorry. No. Am I potted up? Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. We'll make that his theme for the rest of the week. Bunch of socialists. All right. There you go. I do. It's like walking through uh, the first time you go to Tijuana, and you just pass those pharmacies where they're selling everything for like ten cents on the dollar, you know. And you walk by, and they go, "Would you like a Would you like a huge bottle of Sudafed for a dollar ninety nine? And it's like ten thousand tablets or something. Oh, all right. Then you get the lady with the big bosoms, who's three hundred pounds, and grabs you and throws you up again. Would you like to spend some time with me? <laughs> would you? Like I could to... barely breathe. <laughs> would you? Would you? Would you like to spend some time with myself and my many wonderful sisters? All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. Okay, your wishes are coming true. Ready for this one? Yes. Jeff Bush has announced his support for Rudy Giuliani. Really? 
Okay. He has volunteered to serve as chairman of his efforts to reach Florida's young professionals. That's fantastic. That is excellent because you know because we'll never get you know I'm lamenting that we'll never get the uh, the, the, the Bush Hillary face off uh, in 2008. But this is but if he's throwing his way behind Giuliani, who is in my opinion the presumptive nominee. I mean, there's something really really bad would have to happen to Giuliani to derail his candidacy at this juncture because it's not going to be Fred Thompson and it, it, Mitt Romney's going to do no better than Vice President. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you have Jeb Bush, although you got to wonder at this point, I mean, really just from a completely nonpartisan standpoint, just looking at this objectively, you do have to. Wonder wonder if being endorsed by a member of the Bush family at this point is really going to do more harm than good. Yeah. I mean, it's really who is going to... I mean, Jeb's all done. <laughs> He's done before he even started. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wonder if Jeb Bush just sat there in his office watching his brother mangle, mangle the English language and television and just started throwing whiskey glasses against the door to watch them shatter out of pure, unadulterated rage. I mean, just every time that George Bush would say something about, it's hard to put food on your family, Jeb Bush would just see his, his poll numbers just heading towards the subterranean level. Oh, it's a great time to be us. It really is. Not so much to be Scotty, but to be us. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Then there's that Brooklyn woman and what she saw peering from her toilet. Uh, Nadeji Bukundi, some sort of foreigner, says she screamed and slammed down the toilet lid after seeing a snake in her commode. Plumbers and firefighters tore apart the pipes and found a seven-foot-long python. No one knows where the snake came from, how it got into the apartment building or anything. Well, this woman isn't taking any chances. She tells the New York Daily News she's now using her daughter's training potty. Actress Lindsay Lohan and her new boyfriend may be just a match made in heaven. Uh, both Lohan and Riley Giles, whom she met in a Utah rehab facility, have a DUI and a drug bust in their past. Giles was nabbed in March 2006 for forging prescriptions for his medication Xanax. So they have lots to talk about. And they spent 10 days in, in jail for drunk driving. Uh, Lindsay was arrested in July and charged with driving under the influence of possession of a controlled substance. She was also arrested in May for a DUI. I wonder if it would work just to start picking up girls outside of rehab clinics. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I wonder if that might be a good place just to meet loose girls. Uh, you just uh, hang around at some set of promises place or you just uh, you linger outside you know, in the alleyway near a Betty Ford. Seems like that really where you, that might be where you, you know, you can meet those girls who are just looking for that special something. All right. So we'll find out what happens next. Well, there's a breaking Britney news today. Wait, and hold on. Is this a Britney watch? I would say so. All yeah. right, ladies and gentlemen, here's your Britney watch for Thursday on the Rick Emerson radio program. had her visitation rights with the kids suspended <laughs> until she complies with all court orders. Well, that didn't take long. The order comes from L.A. County Commissioner Gordon. I wonder if the kids... I wonder if the, we need to have some sound effect that we play whenever you say that. I wonder if the kids even remember what Mommy looks like at this point. I think Brittany at this at this juncture is just sort of an amorphous blur who sometimes appears silhouetted in the in the doorway of their bedrooms at night, well, listing from side to side and reeking of gin. Well, she just looks like a caricature. I mean, with that bright pink wig the other day when she's running around town. I really must oh. exhort all of you to go look at the front of this week's People magazine, though, to see the picture of her and her mom. Now, mm. I understand that celebrities look different when they are sans makeup, but Brittany doesn't just look different. She looks flat-out goofy. She just looks weird. 
it's sort of like, um, well, we've used this, this analogy in the past for different things, but have you ever had a sweater that gets all just stretched out at the neck, and as much as you wash it and shrink it, it never really goes back. It looks all lumpy and deformed until the end of time. That's what Brittany's face kind of looks like. It's like you had stuck an air nozzle in one of her ears and inflated her head up to about 15 times normal size and then slowly let the air back out, but the features just never quite went back to where they were supposed to be. That's kind of what her face looks like now. Well, Brittany's visitation with the minor children is suspended pending Brittany's compliance with the court orders. Her next shot at getting uh, the kids is October 26th. That's when she's going back to court. The order said the parenting coach is to submit a report to the court and counsel prior to October 26th. Now, an update says TMZ has learned that Brittany did not provide the drug testing people with contact information so that they could reach her to facilitate the random tests which has triggered Commissioner Gordon's action. Really, how hard can it be to find Britney Spears at this point, though? Because you just look for the giant following her around vulture-like. You look for the three or four hundred photographers from X-17. I think it's the... I think it's in touch weekly, though. God, I'm a loser. Uh, $50.99. I, I, was at the, I was at the Plaid Pantry today, of course, uh, waiting to be you know, handed my change by the scab-covered attendee behind the register. And, that guy is so icky. You know, like, what, you know who I'm talking about. Oh, I know exactly who you're talking like about. Like, you, you want to put your money through a spin cycle somewhere before you even touch it. The slowest-moving, <laughs> creepiest man ever. You really? Let me ask you I've this, I've watched Sarah. him try and separate a plastic bag for like 10 minutes yeah. before. You just expected it. You expected any moment to walk in and just see him snuffling his fingers. You know what I mean? Ugh. Just a whole lot of... Okay, okay, okay. okay yeah, on the counter. <laughs> you you know you can picture it without any difficulty. Maybe that should be Clerks, the new batch. <laughs> He's not even... The phrase new batch is kind of off-putting. Uh, the thing about it is, though, so I'm standing there waiting it's for the woman. There's a woman in front of me buying a Powerball ticket, and she's, like, paying for it. I don't want to get off and do a thing about slow and people in line. No, but in change. She was buying either one or two. I don't know how much. Oh, she spent it all on Marlboros. I don't know how much a Powerball ticket cost, but she was buying it. was something that was, like, $3 worth of whatever. And she literally is, like, rooting, not through a change purse, but, like, coins. It's like look, it, Yeah, it's like looking underneath her sofa cushion. She's looking at the bottom of her regular handbag and fishing up nickels and pennies and dimes and quarters, trying to pay for these $3 and Powerball slips. So I'm standing there, and I have plenty of time to do what we all do when you're standing in line, which is to survey all the gossip magazines. And the front of In Touch Weekly actually just says, Britney doesn't want her children back. I mean, I think they've actually just come out and said it. So the anecdotal evidence does seem to strongly indicate that that's the case. Meanwhile, Britney hit Sunset Tanning Salon in Hollywood with a new assistant, and for once, acted like she didn't want the paparazzi in attendance. She came out freshly tanned and annoyed. She went down the back stairwell complaining, This is why I wanted cops here. Then she snapped, I'm never coming back here again. You'll be missed. Mm. Her bodyguards were Sunset Tan employees who became Britney's verbal punching bags as they escorted the cranky singer <laughs> to her car. She seems to make everyone around her an instant employee, then really dismisses them. Somebody, like a diva. Uh, you know, somebody really ought to, because uh, we've had this whole thing, and we had the Nickel, Ar- the, Nickel, the Nickel Arcade guys created the Britney death song in anticipation for that day in the not-too-distant future when she just cacks it once and for all. But don't you really think at this point the next logical step ought to be, and this is another great idea that we're going to come up with, we won't do, and somebody else will take it and run with it, and they'll make a skillion dollars on it. Um, somebody like VH1, because they do that sort of instant remix of the culture thing where they do, like, best day ever, best week ever, where, like, the, the, where the week is not even done and they are already recapping it. So somebody now ought to just be doing a weekly program on a channel like VH1 where it's just called, you know, 
Britney Spears gets closer to death. Where they just, I mean, and at the end of the program, the Vegas odds makers come on and they give you the over-under. They give you the line on when they think she's probably going to snuff it and what the cause of death will be. Uh, you could probably, I mean, I'm sure that there is such a line going somewhere, if not in Vegas, then probably in Britain. Uh, there's got to be some sort of guy who's making book on how much longer she's got left on planet Earth. So it does seem like that program really would be a big hit right now. So uh, I encourage somebody to make that program so I can watch it. All right, we'll do that. There you go. That's your Britney watch for Thursday on the Rick Emerson radio program. Here's Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I had a story about those liberals back east, but I seem to temporarily lost it. Let me look here. <laughs> yes, it's really lost now. Okay, we'll just move on. We'll move on. Uh, Iraqi officials want Kurdish rebels out of their country now. Iraqi's board ministers say they are uneasy about a recent vote by Turkey to send its military into their country to flesh out members of the Kurdish Workers' Party. Okay, there ought to be an analysis of why the Kurdish rebels won't leave called Kurds and why. True. But they've lived there in the northern part of Iraq for like millions of years. I fear maybe you're it's not... not that they just arrived. I fear maybe you're missing the, the kernel of humor that I just... The you re realize that you made this a thing today, right? What? That you're trying to do a play on words with everything. I'm not trying to and do a play even... on words. I'm successfully doing a play on uh -huh. words. And you're exhausting us by doing it. <laughs> okay, sorry, snarky. <laughs> I'll just sit over here silently. In other news, the Army, Navy, and Air Force unwittingly advertise for recruits on websites for gays who are barred from military service if they are open about their sexual orientation. When informed by USA Today that they were advertising on Glee.com, a network website for gay professionals, recruiters expressed surprise and said they would remove the job listings. Why, this is the first I heard of it, said <laughs> Major Michael Batista, the advertising branch chief of the Army National Guard, which spends $6.5 million on Internet recruiting this year. Uh, we didn't knowingly advertise on that particular website, he said. Uh, it does not meet our moral standards. Uh -huh. uh, Captain Jack. A Navy recruiting spokesman... <laughs> Are you kidding me? No. Captain Jack. A Navy recruiting spokesman says he is a service under more than 8,000 ounces taken off Glee. That stands for gay, lesbian, and everybody else by late Wednesday. Most were gone. The military ads on the gay website were only for two civilian jobs not covered by the military's don't ask, don't tell policy, which allows gays to serve in uniform only if they keep quiet about their sexual orientation. Most of the military jobs are hard to fill positions requiring advanced training, although some had sought uh, to fill combat slots at a time when the Iraqi war has uh, challenged recruiters to meet their goals. Filling combat slots. What happens? My question is... So they need thousands of doctors, dentists, intelligence analysts, Arabic translators, many of whom they fired because they were gay already. Well, that's my question, and I'm not trying to be flip about this, but really, honestly... I always wonder what the military does if you are a gay man or woman and you're there and you're in... Not like actually in a firefight, but you're in some sort of like you're in country, as they say. You're in some kind of combat situation. And they say, look, uh, we don't call uh, the Iraqis Ivan. What do we call the Iraqis? 
Is there a name? Have we come up with a No, with we're a... not allowed to do that because it might piss off uh, the Arabians. Well, you're not allowed who, who to. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> I mean, well, they supply our oil. And we're not ready to take over that country yet. Uh, all yet. right. Well, <laughs> the little, Saudi Arabia is a little further down the list. Because we had, uh, because, um, because the Germans were Jerry. Right. The Russians oh, were, uh, yeah, the Russians were Ivan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Viet Cong were Charlie. Yeah. Am I missing anybody? Ivan, Jerry, Charlie. Was anybody else? Some Vietnamese were called gooks. Well, yes, but I'm not talking about actual slurs. Oh. I'm saying in terms of the actual name. Oh, I see. Yeah, no, in terms of the actual name. Um, so we don't have anybody, because whatever. So you're there in Iraq, and then the guy, you know, they say, look, well, look, the Iraqis are going to be, the insurgents are going to be coming over the hill tomorrow, and we expect to incur heavy losses. What happens at that point if you send them to go, okay, you know, into the back and just, like, announce it? I mean, do they... Do they just kick you out right there? Do they send you home? I don't know. I, it does. It really just seems you'll pardon the pun. Just be shooting ourselves in the foot if we're just drumming all of these uh, these men and women out who are you know. Well, they have like, been all along doing stuff. It just. I mean, it, I I know that it really understates the point to make that it, to, to say that it makes zero sense, but it really makes like no freaking sense at all. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey. Hello. Hi, guys. This What's is up? Judy. I take care of God's special children. Yes. Sarah, I'm so glad you can hear. I, I wanted to say Sarah's something. Sarah's not yes. one of God's special children. <laughs> no, but I'm glad you can hear better. Actually, okay. she's, you're all special. All right. And thank you for your bikes. But uh, the, the the ear thing, I was taught in three years of nursing school consistently that you do a warm flush followed by a very cold flush. It, it, you want it as, as cool as the patient can handle it. Um, the warm just, of course, loosens it, and the cool pushes it all out. Now, you do understand that her hearing problem has been taken care of. I do. She's I just... been degunked. Uh, degunked. Okay. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm a little day late and a dollar short. Yes. But uh, I just wanted to mention, you know, it's I took out erasers and Q-tips from many, many ears. Oh. And, uh, Fishing uh, things out of the ears of God's special many, children. Many, many, times. Yes. And, and the best thing is just warm and then cold to bring it out. Well, duly noted. So it's not unlike removing a troublesome tomato stain. Ooh, okay. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I always like when people don't. So there. Which, I like her. I always like people who don't waste time with unnecessary pleasantries. I just, you know, I we're clearly the point. moving towards terminating the call. It's ram. Can't wait to get that receiver in the cradle. What have I just done? I've done something. There. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Okay, over in Iraq. You really want to know this? Well, now is this going to be some sort of a slur? Uh, or is this the actual... Because understand here, I'm not trolling uh, for ethnic epithets. I was simply well, no, saying... <laughs> we. I'm saying, for example, World War II, uh, we simply picked an, a, a name, an actual name, like Sarah, Tim, Rick. And that was what we referred to the enemy as. For example, uh, Russians Jerry. were referred to as Iman. Uh, Iman. Iman. Yes. Yeah, well, do you, you remember the cartoon Johnny Quest? Uh, I, I do. do. Yeah. Uh, and, and there was Johnny and his, his friend... Tonto. No, that's something else. Uh, Haji. Haji. So that's that's the word. Now is that what is that what the, the military actually uses? I wouldn't lie to you, man. In the Middle East. So now is that an actual name, though? In other words, is that a name that someone might? Is that something someone might name their child? I have a friend named Haji. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. There you go. No, and again, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not advocating any sort of uh, stereotyping. It just no, that would of, be wrong. It is not. Well, it, well, it really would be wrong. I'm just saying, I do find it interesting in human nature that we always see. Like, I always wonder, my whole thing about the Viet Cong and Charlie, I always wonder where Charlie came from. Because 
I'm suspecting that at least at that point in human history, there weren't a lot of Viet Cong named Charles. So I don't know from whence that name derived. It does sort of fan, it does sort of, it, it's sort of fantastically interesting in like an etymological sense. Yeah, at least with like, you know, uh, you know, German, Jerry, there's kind of a, a alliteration there. And with right. Ivan, it's a very typical Russian name. Ivan is great too, because Ivan does sound exactly like a huge seven foot tall Russian. Who Somebody with big little teeth. He will <laughs> Totally. When you say Ivan, I picture Richard Keel from the Bond movies, just as Jaws, just coming over the hill with a musket and gnashing his chompers together. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, what's up, man? What's up? Okay, when you're in the military and you're gay, um, well, let me start out like this. I left out of the Navy about two years ago, and my second school, uh, was referred to as A school, uh, in Pensacola, Florida, I had a friend who routed what was called a rainbow shit. A, a chit, you know, whenever you had a request, you would, you know, route a chit up the chain of command and get it signed. Well, a rainbow this is, this chit... Is, this is chit, C-H-I-T. Yes. Yes. Oh, I didn't realize. Okay, yeah, I should have clarified that. Yeah, yes. no, a, anyway, a, a chit is like a marker. Yes. Yeah. And so anyway, uh, it was well known that if you wanted to get out without a bad record, you would route a rainbow chit. And, and, so, and it was informing your superior officer that you were gay and you were dismissed. And so, and so, if, honorably. And so, if if that happened, then they just processed you uh, out. Yep. Interesting. Well, it doesn't. I mean, it's just we. And you know, it is weird. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. It is strange that, and I don't really know this, but it does seem like the common sense of it says that since the don't ask don't tell policy is sort of widely known that probably by definition many of the people if not most of the people using that are probably straight i mean that seems that it seems likely to me anybody sort of using that to get out of the military probably is straight which is weird but we we live in it you know the, the people are aft man Humanity really is just completely and totally effed in many ways. Why? It's okay until politicians get involved. No, it's true. Well, you know what? We'd that... be fine. We just don't need them, but they just keep hanging around, ruining things for everyone. <laughs> what is that? On a daily basis, what do we need them for? What is? There was some. There was somebody who said something yesterday in the Dennis Miller show. It was something like. I, something like, I can tolerate individuals, but I loathe humanity. And really, that's kind of where I'm at with the whole thing. I despise humanity. I value individuals. Uh, but really, no more than like four or five at a time. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hello, Rick. Let's just also take a moment to just recognize how many weird things you, and I mean all of us, learn on a daily basis on this program. I don't think, and I'm not trying to be all about the glory of us, but as much as we sort of ridicule this program for just being retarded, which it is most of the time, uh, this program is kind of like that weird shower hallway that George Jetson goes down in the morning where he goes in naked and sleepy and he comes out dressed full of bacon. Or it's like the Grinch whose heart grew. It's exactly like that, Tim. I am the uh, I am the colossal dung heap of the Grinch that is this program. Um, but you can, I mean you go into this program at 11 a.m. not knowing a whole bunch of stuff, and then you come out of this program at 3 p.m. and your brain is just filled with completely pointless but fascinating knowledge. Uh, yes, what is your observation, sir? My observation is with all this talk about Canada, it occurs to me that Oregon is the Canada of the United States. And I'm not quite sure what that uh, I think, means exactly. I don't know. I think either Vermont or California might yeah. be in Canada. I think maybe they should change the name to South Canada. South Canada. That is kind of funny. All right, thank you. That is amusing. No, that is funny. Calling Oregon South Canada is kind of funny. Or North California. Yeah. Uh, would you say that Vermont or California is the Canada of America, Tim, or another state? Hmm. Probably California is the closest. I could see that. Uh, all right. 
Let's see here. Oh, I do have something breaking here. Uh, the Max is shut down at the Lloyd Center due to a bomb scare. A vehicle was near the Max tracks at the, uh, the Lloyd Center Devil Tree, and they closed out the area around Northeast 11th and Multnomah. So this is the max has just stopped. Yeah, they closed it around one o'clock. Do they know how long it's uh, going to be stopped for? Is there an estimate? No. <laughs> no, not at all. Your politics at work. Uh, Rick, your joke about Kurds and why got the same response as my joke about how there should be an adult movie called Saddam's Bath Party. Okay, the Saddam's Bath Party is actually funnier than my Kurds and why joke. I have to get these these stupid bits of humor out of my head, or else they just, they, they, you know what it is? They filter down to the drain and the floor of my brain, and they just clog up the works. Who wants to hear an interesting ear story? Oh, I do. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, what is your name? Simon. Ta- Simon, with an S? Uh, yes. You, you may be interested to note that Scotty J has written your name as Simon, T-H-Y-M-A-N. Well, that's why he's leaving. Yeah. <laughs> Bam! Look at you, catch and release. Okay, go ahead. All right, so by last count, I have about five children, and all of them brilliant in their own way. Uh-huh. One of them, when he was quite young, and still is actually, a fantastic comic book artist. But when he was about five or six years old, he started to complain about an earache. So we went to the uh, doctor. doctor carefully looked in his ear and said, Aha! reached in with tweezers and pulled out binder paper. And on the binder paper was a wonderful, and I mean, we're talking a tiny piece of paper, but very well-drawn comic of the Punisher that he had drawn and shoved into his ear. Okay, let's stop. What, like for safekeeping? I don't want the other kids to find my Punisher drawing. Where can I hide it? Hmm, I've recently seen Papillon. I'll shove it into an orifice. You have to realize, this is a kid who would sit on the floor and draw so intricately while surrounded by a puddle of his own urine because he was much more interested in drawing than going to the bathroom. You know, let's get back to when you were saying all your kids were brilliant. They are. Would you like to reassess that? No, he is brilliant. <laughs> no, no offense, sir. He sounds like a bit of a paste eater to me. Now he's a graduate student in uh, religious studies, so well, go figure. George Bush went to Yale. Well, there you go. All right. Anyway. Well, as long story. as he's not sitting around in urine, you know, now. Not anymore. All right. Unless he's at Berkeley, he can be a performance artist. Then thank you, sir. Who hides things? I've, I've created this drawing. Now no one can see it. I will lodge it inside my elementary canal. All right. Don't ask him where he keeps his bus fare. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, we've got this. Okay, this is a, a good friend Chris Neven weighs in. Rick, the Viet Cong Charlie comes from Victor Charlie, VC. Viet Cong was, oh, yeah. Viet Cong was VC, which they conveyed over the uh, radio as Victor Charlie. So Victor Charlie was then shortened just to Charlie. See? There you go. We didn't know it like 10 minutes ago. Now, through the distributed computing power that is the Rick Emerson show. Uh, Scott has just typed. There goes all my work screening the callers who are going to explain that. You know, it's exactly this sort of lip, Scotty, that... Uh, yeah, by the way, Scotty just gave me some lip, too. Can I read to you a series of emails that just happened? Yeah, yeah and can I say, can I just stop here and just say, I'm glad that you said Scotty did something wrong, because you've got that look on your face when something is vaguely displeasing you. I can tell your facial expressions by this point. You, oh, my stomach kind of hurts. Well, you are wearing this facial expression that means one of two things. It is either, well, it's either I'm vaguely ill, something has displeased me, or I smell something that is sort of bathroomy. Mm. So what is the... All right, so I get an email from Scuddy, and the subject line says, Sarah, be a hero, make Rick laugh, play this into the break. And he oh, attached God. a song, uh, the Batman TV song. And I wrote, why? And then he wrote back to me, he was talking about Batman a few minutes ago, and the Commissioner Gordon theme, or change, 
obscene sound. Three callers called in about it. They will think you were way on topic and with it if you play this. Take it and trust me on this. You know what Scotty's new career should be? It's, it's You know. You know exactly what it is. You know all about Broughton Bishop. Okay, read. We're going to stop now, and then we'll take a break. Scotty says you're always exposing the green curtain. I don't even know where to begin with that sentence. And then he just wrote me an angry email and said, I said, take it. Okay. <laughs> Let's all stop now. Tim, listen to what Sarah says. Read the, that email from, from Scotty. No, just read the whole email from Scotty again, suggesting something that we do on the air. Mm -hmm. And then it will occur to you, I think, magically, what career Scotty is perfect for. So this is Scotty, uh, who has been in radio for how long? 18 months? Yes. Uh, sending a lecture email to Sarah about how we ought to be doing this program. Go ahead. Sarah, be a hero. Make Rick laugh. Play this into break, Batman theme song. Sarah, why? Scotty, he was talking all about Batman a few minutes ago and the Commissioner Gordon theme or change of scene sound. Three callers called in about it. They will think you are way on it and way on topic if you play this. Take it and trust me on this. Okay. Scotty. It's that final section they, uh, of the email where he says, they will think you're way on topic if you do this. Scotty needs to be a radio consultant. Oh. That's exactly what a radio consultant would say. That's what they would do. That is how they would write the email. It bears, like, no semblance to reality. It's written by someone who's got less than two years' experience. Seriously, and, like, the Sarah, be a hero, make Rick laugh. And that he's trying to structure it as though it's for your benefit. And then he and, well, and then he is, like, mean to me about it. He's like, come on, they'll think you're way on top because you never are. No, that's the way the consultants always are. Consultants always, it's the break you down, build you up. Uh, school of management, where consultants will say, now look, you've got a lot of potential. I used to have this one consultant, and I, I shouldn't make fun because he was actually really great, uh, a guy named Brian Jennings who used to consult me. This is years and years ago. Uh, and I, I, Brian is fantastic. I think he actually still lives in Lake Oswego, so who knows? He might even be listening. But um, Brian was great. Um, but Brian, for all of his talent, he really was an amazingly skilled consultant, really one of the only consultants I've ever met who really knew what he was doing. But his whole thing was he would... He would tell you how great you were and then demonstrate to you that you were completely squandering that talent by being useless. And then he would give you his solution. So he'd say, this was his thing. His thing was that everybody had all the blank in the world. And so he, like he would tell you, you know, look, um, you've got all the potential in the world. His whole thing to me was to go, so it's the compliment, the tear down, and the buildup. Rick, you've got all the talents in the world now. Right now, you've got a listener base that is fleeing you by the thousands because you are really not giving them what they want out of a radio program. So what I need you to do is to talk a lot more about the weather and perhaps stray pets. And you're going to see those phone lines really light up. I mean, that's that was exactly it. He'd tell you how great you were. Then point out how you were completely and totally, like, eating it every day. Mm -hmm. And then he would slot in, like, his suggestion for the program being great. So, all right. Who was responsible for making you talk about cable, like, every other day? Uh, you mean cable television? Yes. Oh. When? When I was, uh, when I was syndicated? Back in the days of the national show. Well. At the very end. Because when I was syndicated, uh, it's just the things, and I've, uh, I think this is in Bigger Than Jesus. I'm really, I'm not, I'm not trying to plug then my they own. they you down to like a half dozen topics that they made you repeat every day. And I'm not trying to, and then we really do have to break into this. I'm not trying to plug my own thing. But in Bigger Than Jesus, there was that sequence where I talked about having a syndicated show. And there was that guy, uh, Michael Vaughn, who played, he was the offstage voice. He played my consultant. Is this right? available for purchase? My uh, 
I can't say whether it is or isn't, Tim. I really can't. How might one learn more? Uh, you know, I can't even really say that. I will say there's a, a great picture of Sarah at rickemerson.com you should go look at. Oh. Um, well, how else am I going to even look at it? You know, look at look at Scotty. <laughs> look at me. Anyway, even bigger than Jesus, though, there is that section where I am dramatizing and replaying a conversation with a consultant. And my that syndicated show, and I know there are people who liked it, and there's some people like that guy in Fargo who called together. It's like I used to listen to you in the syndicated. I'm not trying to belittle anybody who found it good. It had moments where it was okay, but largely it was crap because the guy was such a control freak. I, it got to the point where I had to call him every day, one hour before the showtime, and I had to tell him what I was going to be talking about each hour, and then he would either say yes or no. And so I would call him and I'd say, uh, yeah, I want to talk about, um, this is the most famous exchange with this guy. This is a thing the guy actually said to me. Speaking of people with no experience telling you how to do a show, not that I'm some genius, but really... This is a thing the guy actually said to me. I called him up an hour before showtime, and he's like, he's like, what are you talking about today on the, on the program? And I said, well, uh, the second season of The Sopranos starts today, and uh, people, uh, you know, it's, it's a big event in the media, second season of The Sopranos. So I thought I'd talk about He actually cut me off, and he goes, Rick, this, is the, this tells you everything you know about this guy. He cuts me off, and he says, Rick, people don't really watch television. I mean, how are you even supposed to respond to That's that? That's awesome. What, what do you say to a guy who tells you, Rick, people don't really watch television? Where is this fellow now? I don't even want to talk about it. All right. I don't even want to talk about it. All right. I won't bring it. But I will say, he didn't own a television, so therefore, he thought no one did. Oh. He didn't own a TV, so of course, he was exactly the right guy to be telling me how to do a program in the media. I'm sorry. Am I bitter? Uh, Scotty just sent me another email saying, someday you'll learn I was here to help and not to hurt. Okay. All right, Joan Crawford. This one's for Scotty. Whatever, whatever you say. Thank you. Maybe you can go help him fill in on the Randy Rhodes slot, Scotty. All right, back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. You stay there. got the same hair that I think Keith Urban has. I think it's Keith Urban that has that weird, it's like a long, chin-length bowl cut. Does Dennis Miller still have poofy hair? No, 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 no. He hasn't had poofy hair for a while. Okay. Now, Dennis Miller's got good hair. He uh, he photographs pretty well. He's a, he's, a, he's a fairly photogenic guy. But that Billy Ray Cyrus man, God love him. You know, I've always said that I think he got a bad rap in many ways. And he does seem like a pretty good parent. He seems to be keeping his kid on the uh, on the right path and everything. But, God damn, that hair's got to go. I mean, I, I know it's better than the mullet and so forth. But, I mean, there just comes a point when unless you are really super famous yourself, if you're a man and you're over the age of, I don't know, like 40, you just got to cut that. You just, you just can't be walking around with hair to your belt unless you are Steven Tyler. It's just not going to work. So, uh... Lose that, my friend. What about the meatloaf? Well, but even he cut his hair. Meatloaf yeah, has short hair. Yeah, short hair. I'm, I mean, the, he, Steve Steinman doesn't, though. No, but he's crazy, though. He is he's crazy. like some weird Svengali maestro Wagner type. Uh, but, I mean, have you you know who I'm talking about? Billy Ray? I mean, you've seen Billy Ray Cyrus recently, yeah. haven't you? No, not recently. Oh, he's just, he's, uh, again, he's not a bad-looking man. It's just that hair of his. I think he has forgotten now that the reason, he's one of those guys who was really famous for a while. I'm not trying to knock Billy Ray Cyrus, but he is one of those guys who was really famous 
and then sort of receded into the shadows, kind of got laughed at, but now has a little bit of a resurgence because his daughter plays Hannah Montana. Mm -hmm. And there is so much discussion, and I think he might have a small recurring role on that show, but I'm I'm unclear. I've never really watched it all that much. Uh, but, you know, a lot of sort of low-level discussion about how, you know, he seems to be doing a, a good job as a parent, and she is steering uh, clear of many of the pitfalls of stardom and whatever, but he has misinterpreted that as he himself still being really famous. So when he walks out of the house now, he doesn't look like a dad. He still looks like a rock star who just happens to be the father of this girl, and it's just, it's all very, uh, it's all very uncomfortable. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time once again to announce the glorious bastard of the week. Greetings and salutations, Ryan Morrow. You are being addressed at this moment because you, yes, you, have been selected as the AM970 Glorious Bastard of the Week with all the rights and privileges that entails. In addition to the envy of your fellow man, you'll receive a bountiful cornucopia of swag from the AM970 pile of crap, including tickets to see the Rose City Rollers finals this Saturday, as well as the wonderful knowledge that, for at least this one week, you are just a little bit better than everyone else. Enjoy your newly elevated status, and don't hesitate to lord it over the less fortunate. That's why they exist. Thank you for listening, Ryan Morrow. You are the glorious bastard of the week. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Suspicious streets in the back shutdown. Apparently, a canine dog detected possible explosives in the vehicle that was next to the Max Tracks. At the Lloyd Center Doubletree moments ago. Then police brought in a second dog who said, yep, that's an explosive device. So officers closed off this area near northeast 11th Imelnova after the second dog agreed with the first dog. And uh, so no max service between the Rose Court and Hollywood. So maybe it started up again, but that's what the problem is. So it's not a bomb scare. It appears, we're going to be very clear about this, that we're just reporting what we've heard, but it doesn't appear to be a... Explo- bomb scare explosive so much as it seems to be an actual perhaps an actual bomb mm-hmm. and oh. two dogs to confirm that well, usually a, one dog would be wrong but not two dogs that's a little creepy two out of two dogs agree mm-hmm. it's a bomb mm-hmm. all right so when two dogs agree you got a problem it's time to close down the max so you might be stranded there and uh you know what happens every time there's a problem on the max max doesn't even communicate with its passengers they just you just sit there yeah, you just sit there, and, and and the train will go by and offer no explanation whatsoever. And you just sit there and go, hello, I, I didn't want to ride. Uh, okay. You are stranded near uh, low-cost consumer goods, though, so why not take this opportunity to help boost the American economy, won't you please? Go, go take a survey at the Lloyd Center. <laughs> yes. Go, go, go then in there, and then uh, and then go sit behind a loud, disruptive teenager in a hoodie uh, while you're uh, you know in the movie theater. Well, much to everyone's disappointment, wind gusts were less than expected on the coast, and things have started to die down. Uh, between Canby and Oregon City, huge boulders broke loose, tumbled down to Highway 99E, just as a pregnant woman was driving past in a minivan. She wasn't seriously injured, but she was shaken up. Also, uh, winds have downed trees in Kelso and caused power outages around Kelso and Longview, disrupting the uh, methamphetamine activities there. And uh, some storm watchers uh, ventured to the coast to watch the wind hit, and they really didn't see anything. So everyone's disappointed. It's not as bad as people would thought. How about communism in space? China w- does not have a permanent presence in space yet, but they're going to, and they promise to spread communism to outer space. Now the 14-strong communist astronaut corps more than meets the party's minimum requirement with at least three members for branch. So the space communists will carry out regular activities with the communist party of the China branch in space as soon as they build something out there. 
Uh, like Ford astronauts having their beliefs, we believe in communism, which is also a spiritual power. Who is talking? Who is this? China. Okay. The Chinese. All right. So the Those Chinese, there. they're spreading communism, to, but to In outer space. But I mean, really, honestly, to who? Well, to whoever moves out there. Okay. So move to outer space, and there'll be communism there. But not to the beings that might already be in outer space. Well, they could try to convert them. I don't know how successful they'll be. Do you ever wonder about this? Do you ever wonder if space travel becomes a reality, how long it will? And I'm not trying to be sarcastic about this. I really do wonder because it is part of their uh, religious mandate. Do you wonder when space travel becomes a reality or if creatures on other planets were discovered, how long it would take the Mormon church to just get some guys on a spaceship, like, headed right out there with a Book of Mormon and some Jello? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, really, honestly, I'm not trying to be snarky about it. I mean, it is, they do consider it their sacred duty. I mean, they are not alone, but they are probably the most prominent example of evangelical proselytizing faiths. Um, how long it would take them just to get on their space cycle and just to head, head right on out there to share with you another testament of Jesus Christ? Time for a cannibal watch. Oh, fantastic. Here's your, oh, this is a good one, too. Here's your cannibal watch for Thursday on the Rick Emerson Show. Mm. You know what we need to have? We need to have missionaries who go spread the word of the Rick Emerson Show. That's what we need to have. All right, then. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm unsure whether that's one of my ideas that's going to seem retarded in five minutes or whether I actually like that. Let's wait five minutes and see. We'll revisit it later on. But it's just an Starting army now. of white-clad youths with slick black hair and clean-shaven faces out there on bicycles going door-to-door telling people about all that is good and right in the world of the Rick Emerson Show. Mormon cannibals. No, not so much Mormon cannibals. But, okay, here's Tim Riley. Where do the best cannibals in the world come from? Ca- uh, Germany. Germany. Correct. Okay. Uh, yes. Ding, 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 ding. A German cannibal, locked up for eating a man he met on the Internet, is appearing on television for the first time to describe his victim as, quote, pretty tasty. (laughs) (laughs) This interview is with Armin Muse, who's 45, who kept more than a million Germans glued to their screens as he describes satisfying his lifelong ambition to bite into human flesh. Okay, let me just stop right now. This grosses me out. Yes, it does. Um, He's creepy looking, too. Doesn't he look German? Yes. He looks just like a German looks in your head. You conjure up in your head like, you know, you go to like the mental file in your head, German. Pick up, a, you know, to bring up a picture of a guy. That's the guy. He looks more German than anybody I've seen all week, actually. Um, the, the, he's Gustav German. Uh, the um, Sarah, was it you that was... This sentence is all grammatically incorrect. Was it you who, with me, was talking to the guy in Oregon that wanted to be eaten? Yes. Whatever happened to that fellow? See, okay, now we should back up. This that was story, a long time, like five years ago. Many years ago. became a vegetarian. This story about the German guy. Now, this is a long story. This guy's in prison. But we were there at the very beginning when they arrested this guy. And it turns out that he had, on the Internet, this German dude had met a guy who wanted to be eaten. Not unlike that cow in the restaurant at the end of the universe. The guy had a lifelong uh, desire to be killed, cut up, cooked, and eaten by someone else. And then this German guy's like, well, then. That meshes well with my need to eat someone. So around that time, Sarah and I got emails from some guy who I believe was in... No, 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 no. I'll take it back. You and I were tipped off by a listener that a an Oregon man had been appearing in chat rooms 
asking someone to kill and eat him. Mm -hmm. And so you and I actually corresponded with the please eat me guy in Oregon a little bit, trying to get him to come on the show. And he did seem authentically creepy and, and sort of nutty. But then he just vanished one day, and we never heard from the guy again. And he so, probably lives in some cannibal trailer park. Uh, or, you know, or, yeah, or in a sewer, <laughs> or in, in a septic tank. I have always wondered if the guy was winding us up or if he really was wanting to be eaten, and it, it happened. I'd forgotten all about that until just now, and that's not a thing you think you'd forget about, but I had completely blanked that out until you started talking about this. All right, so the German guy was interviewed about the guy he ate. Mm -hmm. He continued. The meat tastes like pork, slightly bitter and strong, but it tastes pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the cannibal is serving a life sentence at a German maximum security jail, earning a few pounds a month by working in the prison laundry. But he talked calmly to the television crew and showed no remorse. Asked if he ever suffered nightmares, he replied, oh, no, no. Uh, oh. Instead, he claimed that he and his victim, a Berlin computer engineer named Brrrr, uh, had been united by the killing. Well, of course. At least spiritually. Well, and physically. Uh, so there you go. Fantastic. No, There's your uh, cannibal watch for I Thursday. I throw I this mean. away. I <laughs> radio program. forgotten all about that guy and what lent credence to it isn't that the guy he just had, stopped writing too and, and yeah and the writer's block and that the guy uh, or no hands left or that the end of the guy himself wasn't the one who contacted us mm -hmm. we had a listener go hey i was in this oregon chat room a while back and there was a dude there asking people to eat him and then we contacted him and, and we tried to get him to come on and he was just very weird and so i'd forgotten all about yeah. that guy sarah do you want to hear an email about your weight Nah. Okay. Are there any more emails about the ear? <laughs> uh, yeah, I got all kinds of emails about your ear, but I thought you might be burned out on that. All right. No, I but you might want to. I'd like to hear some more. I have these really awesome eardrops. Now you have to put those in. You just like drizzle those right into your ear. Yeah, three times a day, um, one drop in each ear. Yeah. See, that's uh, that's exactly what I have to do for my dog. No offense. I'm just saying it, that's it's a it's a system of maintenance. Yeah, it's like a thicker drop too. So yeah. you stick in your ear and you keep your head over to the side for like a minute, and you can yeah. hear it kind of. Yeah, that's what I had to do. Awesome. I think when I was a kid and I had the eye gunk going on, that's what yeah. I had to do with that. That's what happened when I got an ear infection. Somebody pushed me into the pool and I wasn't wearing earplugs, which I'm not allowed to do. Really? I have an irregularly shaped eardrum. Interesting. Therefore, so, I, I cannot get get my ear wet. Well, I have to wear an earplug if I go into a pool, but I, I don't go into a pool because I don't like water. You know, huh. <laughs> I can't feed you after midnight. Right. You know what uh, What I get is the, I get the ear aches. I get, if it's cold outside at all, uh, or if there's any kind of wind, I mean, I look like a big pussy, but I have to wear, like, if I bicycle, I have to wear that weird scarfy thing that goes around my ears. Because if I get, like, a cold breeze at all, I get the terrible earache, like, in my ear. Hmm. Just the worst pain. And the earache is, like, the, I don't know if you guys ever get that. I, I mean, do. Earache is like the, one of the worst pains on earth. It's like having a toothache. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a train going through your head. Yeah, it's like having an ear full of infected teeth. If we're talking about weird ears, do you guys ever have problems keeping those earplugs in, or the headphones in that actually fit into your ears? The earbuds? Yeah. No, no, not the ear, no. You mean the squishy silicone No, like ones? the earbuds. Oh, like no, those, well, yeah, because those suck. Well, I can never, no matter uh, like what brand it is or anything, those never fit in my no, ears. No, they're terrible. They're awful. And they hurt. And you know what? But see, you, there's no need to use those anymore. You know, those are going to be gone in five years. Yeah. They, no, no, no. Have you seen what I use? I won't ask you to put them in your ears, obviously, but have you seen the ones I use? No. No. Okay. Uh, sister, 
Living the Detroit's 2007. I don't. My MP3 player died. I don't really have an. I don't have another one. Okay, you you gotta know about this new. You I feel the like newfangled technology. Okay, they make these new. The kids have. They make these new. I hate the term earbud. I wish we could come up with something I else. I don't know who made that up. Anyway. Uh, it's a terrible term, but you know what I'm talking about. The ear things. The headphones that go inside your ear canal, but they're made of silicone. Um, I hate to use this analogy, but it's like that stuff stuff at the fantasy video store that the sex doll was made out of. They're really soft, like almost like a gelatin plastic, uh-huh. and it you, you just slide it into your ear. It fits really snugly, but it, it fits to your ear. It is not hard. It's very soft. It doesn't hurt. You can leave it in for six hours, and you forget it's there. You don't even realize it's there. It is the, it, it's amazing. Now, they're a little pricey. That sounds expensive. It, they're like 30 bucks. Um, but you know what? Well, I don't have an iPod or an MP3 get, player or anything. Okay, I but, really need them. Okay, but when you do, you will need these. When okay. you get one of those, you will need these. You will never ever, ever use anything else again. I swear to you, they are, and I'm not getting paid for this, they are amazing. And uh, Sony makes them, and you can buy knockoffs now. They are, they're unbelievable. And the first time I tried them, because I'm like you, I've been trying like a million different little ear buds and pods and things you jam into your ear, and they always hurt. They, they you know, they're sharp and they're pointy and, they, you know, they, they don't fit your ear and they fall out. Um, these things, though, these silicone uh, deals you jam in your ear to listen to music, they are they're unbelievable. It's some technology that you don't have. Yeah, I don't know how we ever lived without it. Except you do feel kind of like Montag's wife in Fahrenheit 451. Uh, all right, here's Tim Riley on KCMD Portland. We'll do this and we'll take a break here in a second. I didn't know I was coming back. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Why, hello there. Hey, Rick. Hey, what's up? I was just out that Lloyd Center mess. Let's all acknowledge my flawless transition there from one segment to another. Yes, yeah, beautiful. I'm you, not Tim, but yeah. You were at Lloyd Center and? Well, uh, they're blocked off for about six blocks, but amazingly, all over the place, there are a bunch of impeached Bush Cheney people with red shirts. Well, of course. Why not? They don't have any jobs, but I'm wondering which one of them parked that car down there and stuck a couple of firecrackers in the tailpipe. Oh, God. Do you suppose? Do you suppose oh. it was some idiot protester down there that was just trying to be a jackhole? Well, they're trying to get uh, coverage. That's what I'm guessing. That oh. actually makes a lot of sense now that you think about it. You get some That's... nitwit uh, the protester down, some empty-headed, the, the brainless nitwit down there, waving a, a sign. No one's paying attention to him. And, of course, if you look away from them, they shrivel and die. That's the whole thing. They feast on, inte- on, on attention. So That's how they operate. He, they wanted maybe, theoretically, your theory is they wanted to get coverage, so they do something to get the cops, to get the camera, so then they can wave their stupid homemade sign in front of the camera. Absolutely. That actually makes a lot of sense. I wouldn't be surprised if Howard Dean didn't make the call himself. All right. Well, if Howard Dean did make the phone call, I wonder what it would sound like. I think I'd do it better. Uh, Do it again. Oh, damn it. One more time, sir. Okay, bye. (laughs) All right. Uh, Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Let's please, please don't make that a new thing. Let's not have this be a thing everybody does. Funny though. Uh, no, I was gonna say about um, about you know, life on other planets. I've always said that. You know, like I mean, you know, we can't get anything out to Alpha Centauri, but then you know, all you got to do is find life out there, and the Catholics, Mormons, and everybody will just pile in. Oh no! If you can find somebody out there with an income, we can take ten percent of the Catholics will be out there tomorrow. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, exactly. If right. you can find, if you can find sex on other planets, the Pope will be out there like next week to tell them to knock it off. It was, yeah, right. Talking to all three of their eyes and everything. Tell them about Jesus. Thanks. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Bye now. All right. And how people are crazy. Really, it's true. 
I'm glad they congregate on this program. Me too. I, I really well, you know, this show is sort of a crazy magnet. We keep them away from others. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey Rick, I want to be the first to go spread the world to other planets. You can we can be called uh, emissaries. Okay, that's kind of funny. All right. or, or we could go with the uh, e-mercenaries. No, I think your first one's better. You don't need to be mercenary. You'll get shot in the head. I'm sure after spreading the word, though, of the Emerson Show, they would just vaporize us. No problem. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Bye. All right. We have to take a break. Uh, when we come back, Gala says, stop grossing me out, Rick. Well, that's not going to happen. Uh, Jim Roop is coming up. More of Tim Riley and today's top five. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Radio program. You stay right where you are, my friend. What can you do? Punch her in the face is what I could do. Boy, you're back in a thousand. Here's something else Sarah said during the break. I won't identify uh, about whom. <laughs> Don't you have to have a per- Well, let's see, I'm sorry. Don't you have to have a personality to be a personality? Ah. Also, she told me that her boyfriend has three balls. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Thank you for coming along. So there's one about the same person. No, 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 no. They're about three different people, actually. All of those comments about different people. Whoa! Okay. That was all me. Nice shooting text. (laughs) That made me jump. All right, well, uh, I don't know where Jim Roop is. He's supposed to be joining. You know, he might actually be covering... He might actually be at the courthouse covering the Britney thing. Britney Spears covering the Britney Spears thing right now, so... Uh, we'll, um... Did you hear that she was just acting like a little bitch and the judge just kind of smacked her around? Oh, uh, that's so satisfying. Well, I mean, I'll ask Roop again his take on this when he when he calls up. But, I mean, it, 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 I don't know, but it does seem like she just doesn't want the kids. She doesn't. I mean, it's, that's why when somebody said, why are you rooting for her death? And I made the observation that, to, to my knowledge, I cannot think of anybody who is served by Britney Spears being alive at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be edgy or jokey or whatever. I really honestly can't think of anybody whose life is better right now because Britney Spears is alive. Let's... No, because the judge ordered, gave her specific guidelines. He's like, do this, you can have your kids. And she full-on decided to ignore everything that he said, therefore, you know, relinquishing well, rights, rights to have her children. And let's be kids. honest. Conjure up in your head right now the worst parent you personally know. I'll give you all, like, uh, five seconds here. All right, the worst parent you know. If you tried to take their kids away, they'd kill you. I mean, if you think of the worst parent you know personally, and if you tried to take their children away from them forcibly, in fact, really, it does seem to me that the worse the parent is, typically the more attached they are to the stupid kids. You know, I mean, look, we all know that. We all know somebody poor and dumb and stupid uh, and incredibly fertile who shouldn't be having children, but, of course, they're always the ones. Idiot parents who shouldn't have kids are always the ones who are screaming the loudest about, you know, you won't take my kids away from me, and they're always the one that have 20 of the free things around the house anyway so i mean even the most unfit parent you know doesn't want to let their kids go you know they want they, they would fight to the death for their kids i think that is an inborn i'm not trying to be all hippy trippy about it but i do believe that is an inborn thing in nature uh, i do believe that is just the way 
humans and some other creatures are programmed is just to defend your children. And I know some creatures aren't like that, but I think in the mammal world especially, you just fight to keep your kids around and to protect them and to do whatever. Um, I mean, so the fact that they have taken Brittany's children away and they've said, look, we've taken your children away. I mean, physically, they came and took her kids from her. Mm-hmm. I mean, think of any mom you know and the state coming and taking her children away. And then the state says, look, all you got to do is meet with a drug counselor and you can have the kids back. And then she just doesn't do it. I mean, I think that answers every question you need answered right yeah, there. It's just a very simple guy. Yeah. It's like, do this and you can have your children back. Uh, yeah, if you want She's the children back, to. do this. She doesn't do what it takes. Ergo, she doesn't seem to want the kids back. I mean, that's it's just uh, reductive logic. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. <laughs> Uh, you're 100% right on the kids. This is just you, the kids are just too big a pain in the ass for her to bother. So, yeah, um, I mean, and, and, and you know, and I'm not going to get inside Brittany's head, but maybe she just had them to please some man, uh, right. you know, or because she thought she wanted them, or because right. she's yes. I don't think you want to get inside Brittany's anything, much alone her. Well, not without, her head. not without some sort of a uh, full body covering. Yeah, you need a body condom and yeah. a couple of flashlights, maybe a couple of ropes tied to you. You know, somebody pull you out if you get stuck in something. Um, yeah, this that situation's crazy. Yes, so. I'm with you, sir. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right, bye now. All right, uh, we'll do these, and then we'll talk to Jim Roop here in just one second. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. Yeah, well, I, now we're in the Britney thing, but I called in just before the break about your headphones. Yes. You said you have the, the Sony ones with silicone on those? Um, yeah, I think the ones I have now are by Sony, although you can buy them from other people now, and they're these tiny little earbud things that slide right inside your ear canal or whatever it is, and they're made of just this this butter-soft silicone. Uh, and it, they, are, they form to your ear. They don't fall out. They stay there, and they are so comfortable, I swear to you, you don't even know they're there. Now, do they sound really good? Oh, they sound fantastic. I mean, well, they're like anything else. There's a whole right. bunch of people who make them. You, Bose makes them. Sony makes them. But you can get them from, like, you know, Woolworths for, like, $11. The ones I buy are from Sony. And, again, I'm not shilling for these because I just like the product. Uh, the ones I bought, like, they're, like, 29 30 bucks from Sony. Uh, and they sound incredible. I mean, they sound and they sound so much better than those hard plastic earbud things that we've oh. all been using for the last yeah, 10 years. Yeah, the cheap ones that came with my iPod. They, they suck. suck. They suck. They're so bad. I, really, honestly, if you uh, bicycle or you work out or you have an iPod, you if you travel a lot or do anything where you have earplugs in sometimes or earphones or whatever they're called, I implore you to go buy these silicone ear things. They're, they're magic. For like on the airplane and stuff, I've got like the home consumer version of what you're wearing right now. Yeah. You know, the big over-the-ear cup, because sure. that blocks out a lot of sound. Sure. But those are just too big to carry around most places. No, it's a, these, I actually use these same ear things I'm talking about, these silicone earbuds. I use huh. these on the flight to Europe and back. And, uh, uh, cool. you know, they, they don't cut out the sound the way your over-the-ear headphones do, obviously, because I have been known to take those on a long plane trip. Um, right. But they, but you know what? I had no problem hearing the music. It was fine, and it didn't, uh, you know, and I, I used them the whole flight, and my, my ears didn't hurt. So. Beautiful. I'll check yeah, them out. Check them out. Thank you. Thank you. Right. I got mine at Fry's, by the way. That's just a little free thing there. Ladies and gentlemen, from Los Angeles, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, the one and only James Roop. Hello, sir. Howdy. What's up with you, brother man? Where are you at? Uh, just working. Uh, is this code for at home drinking? Oh, no, I wish I was at home drinking. All right. All right do I, does the phone sound weird? No, it just sounds like you're in, the, in, the, in like a big metal room. No, no, just the same room. All right, excellent. So, Sorry. Um, no, not at all. Uh, so uh, we're, it's time to roll out your favorite subject, uh, Britney Spears. <laughs> so 
would you share this assessment? And I'm not going to bore everybody reciting the whole same speech again, but I was just going to say, if you think of the single worst parent you personally know, even that the single worst mother you know uh, would would probably gouge your eyes out if you tried to take her children away. Yeah. And, and yet... They took Britney's kids away physically from her, took the kids, gave them to someone else, and said, look, you can have them back if, if you just, you know, if you just go to, go to the drug counselor and go to a meeting now and again. And then she just opted not to do it. So the only conclusion I can come to is based on the evidence that she doesn't really want the kids back. Okay, then why did last week she request an emergency hearing so that she could get extended visitation rights? And that's when the judge says, okay, you can have an overnight visit with your kids now, still supervised, but you right. can have an overnight visit. And here we go. This week, he obviously has said to somebody, well, give me the latest report. Well, there is none. You mean she hasn't done this, this, this? No, Your Honor. Well, <laughs> screw her. Take yeah. it out of here. You're no more kids. Goodbye. Yeah. Go away. Put those big, your oversized sunglasses and your too small dress and get the hell out. <laughs> so... Uh, thank you for that dramatic, that artist rendering. You want to be on that E thing, like where they recap the OJ trial with actors every day. I remember that. Um, the, the Jackson thing. Do you remember that? Uh, God. So, I mean, uh, and again, I don't purport to know, but I mean, if she does have these weird sort of manic, depressive, hot and cold things about her kids, where one week she wants them back and the next week she won't even do the simplest thing to retain custody. Look, it's not like she has a job she has to go to every day. Right. You know, show up to a meeting, sign a thing, pee in a cup, you know, get the kid. What uh, somebody needs to do is, I mean, one of those intervention things, and forget the drug counseling, the parent counseling. She needs to go to a, a shrink, I mean, a shrink boot camp. Right. Somebody needs to sit her down and for in a white room with a candle, just interrogate the crap out of her until they figure out what is wrong with her. Well, my question was going to be, and again, I do not, uh, this is just my assessment as an outside observer, my opinion. Uh, I do not uh, claim that this is the case. But it does seem that this behavior is, I don't know, let's be honest, this behavior is really consistent with somebody who makes one decision straight and makes another decision uh, when they're all left up on something. You know, uh, yeah, sure, I swear to God I'll be here next week. And then you run off somewhere with a bag of dope. Uh, and then, you know, you wake up next Thursday and you've uh, done nothing and you're sleeping in a crack house covered in your own uh, waist, you know. So, or Scotty is actually, boy, Wonders Never See Scotty has actually made a really salient point here. Uh-oh. Scott, that's, that'll check it off. We're done for the day. Scotty has actually made a really good point here. He says that Scotty is pointing out on the screen, essentially, that she became worldwide famous at whatever 15 16 something like that that's when her supernova started really started you know she really became white hot um that then she is she is still effectively scotty is speculating still just a 14 year old she has never developed mentally past the age of her superstardom mm -hmm. you know and kids are real hot and cold the kids are real flaky about that kind of stuff you know i don't know i, I think at age 15 i think that there is I think you have crossed that threshold of reasoning, I think. Uh, now, if she was 8, 9, 10 years old and all this started to happen, I'd say, yeah. But I think at 14 or 15, you're starting to get into high school. You have been through enough. You have enough life experience to realize what's a good and bad decision. Right, right. So uh, while I think he's got a good point there, I don't know that I agree 100% because I do believe at that age, because I see it in my kids, there is, there is that, that, that point where they – they get it. 
you know, and it's like, oh, okay, now you're making your own choices and you're, and you're suffering consequences. So I, I don't really necessarily agree 100% with that. It does, and I do, you know, your, your whole thing about her being locked in a room with a shrink who tries to get inside of her head, I mean, I think at a certain point you just, especially if you just uh, become famous at such a young age, uh, and no one ever says no to you, you can do whatever you want, you're insulated from reality by walls and money and drugs and fame and whatever, and then a million people around you telling you your every move is right, I not mean, that there's anything wrong with it. No, no, of course not. I'm working towards that every day. I'm failing, but I'm working towards it. I suspect at that point your own psyche is just such a funhouse maze of mirrors. It probably, you know, there probably is nothing in there to find. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, just... I, I, I hear you. So, you know, well, whatever. So so I guess the, the kids have been taken away again, or, you know, she's denied the visitation, and she's going to go to court, I guess, what, next week something? So well, like she that? has two court dates. The 25th for that little hit and run in the yeah. parking lot of that shopping center, and then the 26th is... Uh, the, the custody hearing, where this particular hearing, because I, I did you get a copy of the order, the court order? I did, today? no. All right, it's just two pages, and it just says, you know, uh, um, petitioner uh, has, you know, has, is, is denied all visitation until she complies. There's no specification as, as to what, with what she did not comply. Right. Um, so, I, I, and I guess we'll hear all of that on the 26th. So until then, it's just another continuing saga in the story that is Britney Spears. I never thought we'd hear from her again until the 26th. Right. And then she had that emergency hearing last week, and then this thing uh, today. So who, I should just camp out at the courthouse because who knows something may happen again tomorrow. I, mean, I got to tell you, and there hasn't. We've had a, 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 our Britney Watch segment every single day, yeah. and not just because we're just sort of circling above her like a vulture, uh, but just because every day she's done something stupid or crazy or irresponsible or whatever. And so. it, it's it's becoming one of those weird. Not obsessions, but one of those things that people get into every day because it is so strange. Yeah. And, and she is doing such weird things. And you wonder, what in the hell is she thinking? And you hope at some point, and I think one reason why we watch and one reason why we go down to the courthouse there every time she's there or, or hopefully that she's going to be there is maybe she'll give us some hint, some, something she will say that will give us an idea. Right. Of what is going on in her brain. Even the other day when she turned herself in, we got nothing really except a stupid comment like, hey, what, hey Brittany, what are you going to do now? Oh, where's the party? That ah, was a stupid thing to say. Right. You know, especially in her circumstance. I wonder if maybe just the sad reality is there just is nothing in there. You know it's, what? You're right. I'm, I mean, I, I, I would almost say, yeah. I mean, that maybe we're making it way more interesting inside her head than it really is. Just one bare swinging light bulb from the ceiling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just a, just a, just an empty room with a chair and a creaking fan in the corner. I The thing about Britney is, and this is the same thing, but we've all kind of forgotten that Michael Jackson existed, is that my big lament about the Michael Jackson case was that, like Elvis, Jackson is so insulated it pains me to know that I will never really know the real deal about what went on inside Michael Jackson's head. And I'm not talking about the child molestation stuff. I'm talking about just the day-to-day -day existence of what must the energy, and I hate to use that word because it makes me sound all hippy-trippy, but just the vibe. What must it be like just inside Michael Jackson's home? What is, yeah. what is, the, the, what is the vibe in that place? And you'll never know because he's just too insulated. Just like Priscilla Presley has made sure that we will never really know what Elvis was like. Because um, it's just so whitewashed by this point. And I, I really do wonder that about Britney Spears. Just what is... You know, where is she right now? What room is she in? And what's happening? Is she just sitting there staring blankly at a wall, just kind of going, hmm, you to wonder, herself? When I mean, she looks at the same thing we look at, does she see what we see? Yeah, I mean... Does she see less? 
And I Does mean, she see more? When you think about the fact that Britney Spears, who you, know, you think about what she was 10 years ago, you think about the fact that she, I mean, I still can't believe this, that she shaved her head and then ran around hitting things with umbrellas and, like, shrieking. I mean, it just... That was kind of fun. It's just inconceivable. You can't even really... I would say... Would you agree with me on this? Would you say this? Would you say that Britney is the biggest public celebrity downfall well, I mean, maybe since Jackson. I mean, Jackson probably is the, the reason. I, I would call her. I call her a crash. I wouldn't call it so much a downfall. A downfall would connote that it, it, this something happened slowly. It seems that this just sort of exploded. Is this the fastest then public implosion of a celebrity? I, it looks that way to me. I can't think of anybody. I mean, even Jackson took about twenty years to yeah. really go crazy. Yeah, at least it took us twenty years to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, Jackson. That was a long. He may have gone crazier, but I mean, it took him a long time to do it. I think Britney may be the fastest crash of any major celebrity that we've ever seen. Yeah, I'm thinking you're right on that. Yeah, I right. can't, I, honestly, I can't think. Even Howard Hughes wasn't the, 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 the quick crash that Britney Spears was. Right. Uh, hey, real quickly, tell me about these people. I love. Uh, I have grown just such animosity towards all air travel at this point. Tell me about these people suing the airlines. No, it's pretty interesting, I think. Uh, you know, there's this, this is, these are international flights now. Because I was on a, a flight to Beijing several years ago, so I know how uncomfortable that can be. Um, but these people, this judge, this district court judge in San Francisco, is allowing these three lawsuits to go through. He's dismissed 37 others. These three people claim they develop blood clots in their legs because of the cramped seating on the plane. And the reason why the judge let these go through, because there's this international treaty that protects airlines right. from uh, injuries suffered through routine travel. Um, but he says, or according to the complainants anyway, the airlines would not allow them to get up and move to open seating with more leg room. So the judge is saying, well, there's some negligence there, if that's true. So we're going to let you go through with this lawsuit, file your lawsuit. Let's see what the evidence says. Uh, well, they're just such fascists about it at this point, too. I mean, the, the airplanes are just – and i got to tell you, just taking that long flight back from Europe that I did a few weeks ago, th there came a point when I was at about the 15th hour of air travel – just packed into there, just like it, just like I was shoved into a into a tin can, and I mean, you really do reach that point where you think that you're not going to be able to, to hold it, and you really are just going to have to start screaming. You know what I mean? You really just have to stand up and just start shrieking at the top of your lungs. Well, well air, airline, I don't know, what do they call now? Stewardesses, what do they call them? Waitresses. Uh, whatever they call them now, a flight attendant. It's it it it, it was the last place of true customer service. Right. You know, they bring you something to drink, some peanuts at least, you know, come up and down the aisle, would you like a pillow, how are you? You see them all the time walking up and down, so if you need something, you can ask. But lately, and I, you know, I fly a lot for this job, you hardly ever see them, and when you do... You have to hunt them down, and, and then you have to wait till they're finished discussing what they're going to do when they get to the destination with their coworker before you can actually say, "What's wrong with this bathroom?" And my, why can't I flush this? Yeah, why can't this won't, <laughs> this won't go through the hole? <laughs> Excellent. On that note, my friend, we'll bring the curtain down. Enjoy the rest of your day. You on tomorrow? Yes, sir. All right, we'll talk to you then, my friend. Are you going to have a big blowout for Scotty tomorrow? Uh, well, we do have all this Mad Dog left. <laughs> So you'll have to hear part of that. I may have to fly up for that one. <laughs> All <laughs> right, brother. Take it easy. There you go. James Roop, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. Tim Riley, are ye uh, preparing with news? Yes. I'm that, ready. That was like a little Borat thing I did there. Preparing to make news.
Uh, all right, back after this. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Like us at 3, like us 101 at 5, Donna Mike at 7. He said it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Stay there. Yes, we are. <laughs> Isn't that right, Scotty? All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Hey, can this be true? It's from Aaron, Aaron Geek in the City. Now, we all have had our jollies on uh, Channel 14. I'm sorry? At one time or another. We've all been on Channel 14 at one time or another. Oh, that's, that's the, uh, that, yeah, that channel. Okay, yes. Well, Aaron tells me that Comcast is supposed to yank it off the air and turn it back to local sports only. So if this is wrong, Aaron uh, the Geek, you started something here. But I'm sorry to see it go because a lot of us have spent some time there on various programs. Wait, so the, and Channel it's 14 is sort of a, and people think that Channel 14 is cable access, but it's not. No. Channel 14 is a, um, that is a paid a, a, a for-profit channel. Yeah. Uh, Mark Larson pays a fortune to be on. There. Yeah, the, the Playhouse from uh, Jammin, they're on there. Uh, you've done some stuff there. Sarah and I did uh, that hideous I program. I just drove by Victory Bingo yesterday, too, and it was packed. Of there course. was not a parking spot there, and it was full. Like, you couldn't even see inside. It was just a cloud oh, of smoke. Of course. One of the last places you can just sit And there. you bet your life was on there, too, it's which a, I will miss. It's a great channel. So Sarah and I had a program on there, and then I, myself, with Joni DeRoshi, I did this program called Rock Roundtable that ran for I a like few that. episodes on there. It was, I mean, be it's a, a good show. Yeah, be a, people think that, that Channel 14 is uh, is cable access, but it's not. Tim Savage had a show on there. It, it is the only local television outside of boring newscasts that you will see in Portland. There is no other local programming offered by any station. And if you were someone making a local independent television program, that was, is for now, but soon was, if it's the only place you can get it shown. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, like NBC is going to put you on the air. Right. Uh, so if you were making... Uh, you know, quality local television program. That was really your only outlet with Channel 14. So, well, that's unfortunate. I mean, for everybody who makes local programming, because there's no other place to play it. None of the local stations no. are interested in local programming. Nope. And unless it's, you know, for people over 65. And so, you you know, it's going to be back to sticking. I mean, not to knock YouTube, but you're just going to be back to sticking everything on a 3 by 3 inch screen, uh, you know, on the Internet. So, well, that's unfortunate. That kind of sucks. I'm glad we had it while we did. Yeah. Uh, oh, Apparently, this bomb-sniffing dog thing was part of a top-off exercise, but it turned into the real thing. Really? Yeah, prompting police to cordon off those streets and shut down the max. Uh, officers are doing a sweep of the Devil Tree Hotel near the Lloyd Center, and bomb-sniffing dogs got hit on a car in the vicinity. So they're already there doing this exercise. Oh. But who knows if that wasn't planted there by the feds who didn't tell anyone. Uh, oh, are you? Oh, I hadn't even thought about that. I was just thinking, what unlucky criminal stooge. It's like, how smart are the Portland Police Bureau people? So it's so, like a double fake-out. So uh-huh. they do, theoretically, they do a fake bomb scare, but then the federal government, to actually assess the readiness, it's actually kind of impressive if they did that, they plant a real fake bomb mm-hmm. to see if... They test you. So it's like a it's a, so it's a, a test inside a test. Mm-hmm. That's actually kind of you know. But what they couldn't pull the wool over the Portland Police Bureau. No, no could they? No, you so there. Can't Take I, that, you feds. You can't even have smart a dog. All or right. Two then. dogs. Yes, excellent. Well, well done, feds. If you did that. 
Uh, Johnny Mann was a musical director on the late Joey Bishop's uh, ABC Late Night Show in the 60s. Uh, he says Bishop was totally professional. I mean, he just wanted to get it done right, and and he knew he knew the theory from all the work he did with uh, with uh, Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and all you know the Rat Pack group, and he really knew what to do with the show. Boy, you know, and the, the good thing about Joey Bishop is, I mean, maybe, you know, not as famous as Frank, not as famous as Dean or Sammy or whatever, more famous than Peter. But, you know, there's only five people, really, who can say they were core members of the Rat Pack. I yeah. mean, that's it. There's only, you know, six billion people on planet Earth right now. There's only five guys, and now nobody's left. So that really is, this phrase gets so overused. So that means Rickles moves up the ladder to officially, as we write, <laughs> we we should, write history, we should become call him, an official member of the Rat Pack. We should, we should call him right now and demand to know his... If he's if he's already like sending out faxes, last remaining member of Rat Pack available for interviews. You bet that his agent is busy today. Oh, well, we, when we had him on, uh, and you know when we went to see him uh, at, um, I apologize for that. Was it Spirit Mountain or Chinook Winds? Oh, I forget now. Well, I, it was the one on the coast. I apologize to the venue. Um, but when we went to Chinook see him, Winds. he told uh, some great Sinatra stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, even, even then, he must have known. He must have known that Joey Bishop was sick. He's mm-hmm. polishing the stories up. Uh, this phrase gets so overused to the point that it now is just so diluted it means nothing. But the, the death of Joey Bishop, that really is the end of an era. It really is. I mean, that, that, he, the last remaining Rat Pack member. So it's going to be interesting to see on the chat shows tonight who they get on to talk about him. Well, who could? Well, Regis. Although oh, that's true. Although you know, apparently, from what Donna Mike have said, Regis isn't around a whole lot these days either. Um, so who who is left? There is Regis. There is Shirley MacLaine because she was sort of a chick member of the Rat Pack for a while. Uh, there's Rickles. Mm-hmm. That might be it. I think that is it. I can't think of any uh, of anybody else uh, from that from that era. Uh, just, just Sinatra's, uh, I don't know what you, what you called him, his personal attache, that guy. Uh, he wrote that book called Me and Mr. S. I, I, it's an awkward moment. I never know how to address him because he, he was, I don't want to say manservant. Uh, you know, whatever, he was his personal, his body man or whatever, uh, you know. And he's a black guy, and so I don't want to inadvertently say something that sounds like it's some sort of, you know, slur or whatever. But he was, you know, he was he was his man. You know, like in Titanic, when when uh, when what's his name, Billy Zane says, you know, the luggage goes in the in the suite. Now please see my man. And there's like the creepy guy, Mr. Plum or whatever his name is. There was that guy. I forget his name. His name was Carl, I think. And he was Sinatra's right hand guy. Went with him everywhere. Traveled with him everywhere. Sinatra needed something. He was the, he was the Scotty J. Uh, he was the, he was Sinatra's personal Scotty J. But he wrote this book a while back called Me and Mr. S. Uh, which was about his time working with and sort of being the right-hand guy uh, to Sinatra. Um, so, anyway. Well, there you go. So there's really nobody left. Yeah, that's no. kind of a downer. It is. All right. So that's that. That's Are we ending tonight. on that downer? We do. <laughs> it's not ending on kind of a... Uh, we'll be back, though, at the top of each and every hour, beginning at 4. Of course we will. Uh, Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, world's greatest newsman. Top of the hour all the way through. Like us, 4, 5, 6... And seven. All right. Uh, tomorrow, don't let me forget to, Tim, to read you this email about the Tigered Winco. Is there one? Yes, there is. It's fantastic. You will love this email. This is my own little guarantees to you, Tim Riley. <laughs> you will love this email. You know, Winco is the only place where people stand in line three hours to save ten cents on a loaf of bread. No, it's... there's Bymart too. 
I've never been to Buy Mart. But don't you have to have a membership? That's where Scotty got the, bought that you swank a, shirt. You can get a lifetime membership to Buy Mart for $5. <laughs> did, did they sell them door to door by any chance? <laughs> Scotty came in with that weird green yeah. shirt, and he's like, I bought this at Buy Mart for $9. <laughs> Buy Mart, which is sort of like a truck stop, I think. No, they have them um, quite a few places. My friends um, will go and buy beer before like a party over there because you can get really cheap stuff. I've never been there. What kind of a store is Buy Mart most like? Buy Mart's like a Walgreens. Or not, and you have to buy a membership? Or like a Walmart, maybe. Really? But not as big. Not as swank. Not as It's not as, it's not as stylish. Oh. It, it seems older. You know, like their products, it seems like a little outdated. I wonder if the guy, like when Scotty bought his clothing at Bymart, I wonder if it was something he picked up himself or if there was somebody there who actually stands in the Bymart clothing aisle and pushes his wares. Like a on... personal assistant? Exactly. You, sir, are you interested in a... Are you interested There's in this... nobody standing in the aisle selling people shirts. <laughs> seafoam. This seafoam green poly cotton blend with a big zippy thing in the front. All right. Uh, oh, wait. Somebody has an observation. Iris, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, remember um, Angie Dickinson? Angie Dickinson, police yeah, she girl. she hung around with the Rat Pack. Now, is she that, might have been one of the girlfriends. Is that uh, is that true, Angie Dickinson? Tim yeah. says it is. All right, so there's this, so there's Angie Dickinson. Yeah, she this, was a real dame. No, she really oh, was. Yeah, and this she was is beautiful. This is one of those times, though, when somebody like Joey Bishop dies, where there are phones ringing all over Hollywood. Absolutely. Uh, and you know, uh, it'll be you know you know here's the thing, and there's the final thing we'll say about this, and we got a break. Um, you know. The definitive way that we'll find out who the spokesperson for that generation now is, it'll be whoever's on Larry King tonight. I bet it's going to be female. As, mu- as much as we knock Larry King, he really right. still is the gold standard in determining these. He's the litmus test. So whoever's on Larry King tonight, and I'm guessing Shirley MacLaine. Maybe Rickles remotely, but I'm guessing Shirley MacLaine. We'll find out. I'm going to be watching. All right, there you go. Thank yep, you, Iris. You're, right. you're welcome. All right, there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley returns all the way through. Like us. All right. Um... Oh, yeah, okay. Steve, real quickly. Hi, you got like 10 seconds. What's up? Okay, Iris beat me to Angie Dickinson, but the word you're looking for is valet. Valet. That's what he was. He was Sinatra's personal valet. Excellent. He's personal valet, Rick. V-A-L-E-A-G-Q-Z-Z-5-9. Gotta go. Thank you. Back after this to wrap it all up. Like is a three. Here's a fuck jerk. I can open these phones right now and get your first 10 accounts. Telling you right now. You know it's true. Wow. I'm not trying to overstate my own power. I'm just saying, Scotty. You know there are people out there who love you. I like how you tell me this uh, one day before. It's okay. Well, if you wouldn't have told us one week before you planned on leaving, my conscience worked on you a little bit longer. My conscience is clear. I did tell you repeatedly that you ought to be staying and selling for radio. A and product we could pop in down you on your lunch break, and we could have had like a little bit with you every day. Yeah, and I could do some consulting on the side. Be the new Dennis Pitsenberg. Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, why, uh, hello, sir, madam, as the case may be. Uh, it's actually Dennis. Was that it? <laughs> Whoa, no, I just conjured weird. you. Beetlejuice. Uh, no, I had no idea. Hello, sir. Uh, how are you? What's uh, apparently prescient. Uh, what's up, brother? Well, I just wanted to say I don't know. In the last couple of weeks, I've been extraordinarily busy and haven't had the opportunity to enjoy my invite to the all-empowerful yes. Rick Emerson show. 
So before the waterworks start tomorrow for Mr. Scotty J's uh, eventual leaving of the program at the end of the uh, day, I just wanted to say that I enjoyed his part of the show. I enjoyed him coming on miles around and even guest hosting a couple times. We had a blast. I think it's a loss of the show. And, yes, it would be great to leave him in the building. And, and my only final thing would be F Matt with an empty PA office. Thank Excellent. Thank you. No, look, I told you I had one fan, and there it is. Yes. Now I owe you, Dennis. I'll pay you after the show. Okay. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Jim hey. McCoo. Yeah, what's up? 61170 and proud Bymart member. <laughs> hey, uh, I was going to go off on some conspiracy thing, but I've called in the show quite a few times, and Scotty's been nothing but cool. They wouldn't put me on hold. And he's, you know, he, Despite everything, he's been pretty cool. So. Try to hold it together. Sounds like you're about to, sounds like you're about to break down on me. Yeah, first of all, thank you. And did you give us your Bymart number there? No, I think that was his height and weight. Uh, oh. <laughs> no. What was it, what was the numbers you said there? Was that like a Hurley thing or uh, uh the kind of a throwback to your uh, height and weight thing earlier. Yeah, we have to uh, weigh people in before. Oh, we oh, that's right. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't know what you were doing there. All right. Uh, okay. All right. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Bye. All right. Bye. Yeah, I, I just I, I didn't know what he was doing. All right. I wonder how much Scotty J weighs. You have a Bymart number. How much do you weigh, Scotty? I'm going to guess 165. I'll step oh, on the Oh, you scale. do not weigh one. I'm going to guess that. I'm going to say 178. 172. Down on the scale. 170. Right. Oh. So that's uh, Sarah, because I'm a little, I guessed over. So. No, no, I guess 178. Oh, really? I must have gained five pounds, and it's all in my stomach, too. Okay. Uh, I have something really exciting I was going to do you're going to pick up smoking again now that you are Oh, of course he will. Right no, because you're going to be out having client lunches at whatever your new job is. is we never style? did figure that out. Okay, tomorrow. So here's the thing. So, Scotty, uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow Scotty Friday. Tomorrow is all Scotty all the time. So, Scotty, come in. You, tomorrow you'll have to come in and spend a bunch of time with us because okay. it's your last day on the program tomorrow. So everybody gear up for tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow we will have Aaron Geek in the city. Duran joining us in the studio. Um, it, it, who else? Something else is Who else is coming in tomorrow? Seems like there was a somebody else coming birthday in. birthday cake? No. Oh. What? Why? Why would it... Bur- <laughs> I'll miss these little malapropisms that come out of you, though. Maybe we can get a girl to come down here and uh, strip for Scotty J. From Dante's? I like the way you think. I love the way I think, and we're going to do it. Okay. Or somebody to strip. I mean, if it's a girl, I guess, then that's a win-win. If not, you know. Well, we have whoever. a lot of fine sponsors. Maybe that Chad guy. Oh. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Uh, how long until the music starts here? About a minute. Okay, by the way, I should say this, and Scotty, uh, please don't take any offense that I'm doing this before you're, you're even out the door. Uh, if you go to rickemerson.com, you saw this, and I, I did want to make because I had somebody ask me about this today. It's on my MySpace page, too. Uh, so, because Scotty J, from the mighty intern Acorn, an oak... Uh, grew. So uh, if you are a currently enrolled college student, uh, and if you will be, this is, and, and listen to what I'm saying, because otherwise you're going to send an email, and then we're just going to have to tell you to get bent because you didn't listen to what we were saying. So if you are interested in being the next Scotty J, which is admittedly a tall order, uh, if you are a currently enrolled college student, and if you will be eligible for credit based on an internship, uh, if you're interested in uh, filling the massive shoes the massive uh, base Weegians left by Scotty J. Uh, contact Susan Reynolds. It's Susan.Reynolds. Just like it sounds, Susan.Reynolds and at CBSRadio.com. This isn't PA, is it? This is actually just an intern. Oh, no, you'll be paid in knowledge. 
<laughs> You'll be paid in knowledge, experience, and ways. floggings. And not, you'll learn how to make you know. a mean cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you will, even if we have to beat you severely for that to happen. So uh, for more information, go to rickemerson.com. All right. We want to thank CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, Bob Costantini, James Roop. Coming up tomorrow, Scotty J's final day with us, as well as Aaron Geek in the city, Duran, who will be in the studio reviewing 30 Days of Night. Uh, Rick Emerson show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970 Solid State Radio in the newsroom. It's Tim Riley, the PA for one more day. Scotty J, the gatekeepers, Dave Zinn, like us next, like us 101 at 5 o'clock. At 7 o'clock, it's Donna Mike. We'll be back tomorrow at 11. As always, don't let the bastards grind it down. Thank you for listening. Watch out for snakes. Bye now.